Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. That's TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. That's TireRack.com, TireRack.com, TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for listening to the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, 8 to 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Greetings, everyone. Welcome in the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Jason Smith off this evening. You can hear him mornings on the Dan Patrick Show alongside Doug Gottlieb, 6 to 9 Pacific, 9 
till noon in the East. So his departure means Dan Byer, my tag team partner for Fox Sports Sunday. Uh, yes. And once again, we get another run. We've got Dodgers, Cardinals, and it's a game we actually get to see on television here in Los Angeles, Dan. <laughs> it's a big deal. Didn't want to see last night with what's been going on, but at least good things <laughs> going well for the Dodgers right now. I know the people in St. Louis soon, don't bro. want to hear that. But, uh, yeah, so baseball going on. A lot of baseball happening in the in the the – world of sports today with some trades being made. You also have got the NFL and yeah, even some hoops news on this Tuesday, kind of out of nowhere. A lot of randomness overall and we'll go through the veritable potpourri throughout the next three hours. We appreciate you stopping on by and hanging with us for a few minutes. Find Dan on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. I'm over at Swollen Dome. We are ready. Yeah, get live wire going again. Uh, we're readying our, our fantasy football preview show. will be Sunday morning, so we'll get a little fantasy news in for you. We'll play the feud, as always. Uh, but we start tonight with a rumor that at least was delicious for the idea of, well, can this possibly happen? Can Kobe Bryant be missing basketball enough to think about joining the big three? I, I really love the rumors more of he'll play at a veteran's minimum to come <laughs> play with LeBron James and go back and, and put the Laker jersey, bring it down from the rafters for one last run. That one seemed to be uh, perhaps uh, something that could be pretty fun for all of us. But let's face it, you got a guy who's made, what, $200 million was the estimate on his, his investment and his time and face value uh, in body armor. You've got an Oscar award-winning film. I got to see it last week at the Disney Family Museum up at the Presidio in San Francisco. Uh, one of the guys who'd worked at Disney forever was the animator, John Williams. You know, you, you align yourself with best of brands and good things are going to happen, right? John Williams does the score. You immediately start looking for Jaws or one of those kind of uh, big thematic things. So that was fun. Uh, but you surround yourself with people that, well, your, your goal is billions of dollars. Your goal is not to go back and break your body for another round. But it was funny when the co-founder of the big three, Jeff Quatnitz, want to make sure we we get that uh, tonight. Your, your Quatnez is as good as mine. You know what? Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> but he uh, he's speaking on behalf because, right, the Big Three Championship coming up later this week. You can see it on FS1. It's been part of it uh, throughout live on Fox come uh, come Friday night. But Power and Three's company will we'll get it on. You've got some uh, names that you'd know, Big Baby Davis and, and Baron Davis and, and a bunch of guys going after it. But they got some run for the big three title. And you get to trade on Kobe Bryant's name a little bit and get people and their tongues wagging of what could be. Because we keep wondering how many more recently retired players still have the itch to lace them up. Well, that, they've done a really good job in, in creating a brand and creating a league in just two years and doing so in an offseason. Where, you know, it used, it used to be basketball was non-existent once the NBA draft ended. And that's not the case any longer with NBA free agency, with the draft, the summer league, there's a lot going on in the summer. But the big three, I think, has also been aided by that. And and I don't know if it goes both ways, but there are more there there are more opportunities to get involved in a new league. So the big three thriving in its second year, live games on Fox Sports One, which is sorry, it's a big deal. For, you know, the first year they were the tape delay, played on Sunday, it aired the next right. day. Now with live games going on, it's a it's a much bigger deal. As you mentioned, you got a championship game, and what better way to maybe talk about the league than to, to bring a name? But I don't think that Kobe is wired like the guys in that league. There may be other competitors. They, there may be guys who, who wanted to, to win as much, but 
but I'm not sure that they are wired the way that Kobe Bryant is wired to your point of, yeah, it's not about it's not about millions of dollars. It may be about billions of dollars, but it's also winning in different avenues. Didn't Kobe go to work right after his final game of the regular season with his uh, with his own company? It was eight o'clock the next morning. He was up and, and ready to go. That's where his focus is. His focus, as you said, is not breaking down his body even more just to try to win a big three championship. He's trying to win things now in other worlds, whether it be in the movie business or his own business. That's where his focus is. He's not wired like guys who still like, all right, I could go against my my other guys in the camaraderie. That's not what Kobe's all about. Yeah, it just seems at this point the the discussion, and it made for fun Twitter, it made for fun sports talk radio over the course of the day of, well, how would that look? What would he play? Because it, it was asked of several players uh, a couple days ago how Kobe would react to playing in this league, and all the guys got up and walked away uh, <laughs> out of their press conference, right? Uh, I think it was Steven Jackson, one of the guys, just kind of looked at the reporter, put his microphone down, and, and calmly left the the area. But you, you look at Kobe Bryant and all the pursuits after, you know, Kobe Inc. and the movies and TV deals and all these, and now it's the arms race against LeBron James off the basketball court, right? The finals that we never got, Kobe versus LeBron, seems like it's going to be more in the business with the business of basketball potentially being part of it. So if you were telling me Kobe was going to buy some kind of giant steak, mm, giant steak, <laughs> uh, into the – I had to we do ju- it. We just ate. So we, not well, but you know what? If a giant steak appeared, you wouldn't eat yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, maybe a bite. You'd have a bite yeah. or two. But sorry, someone in my timeline, you know, as we making a cup of coffee before we came on air, they were showing this tomahawk steak that they'd ordered, mm. and I was like, you know what, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, a slice of that. But so yeah. yeah, so if if Kobe suddenly had some business idea of expanding the big three or blowing it up, you you could convince me there. But the Kobe's going to lace him up to play in this league. Like, all right, did he lose a bet? Is he doing somewhat a solid where it's one of these one-offs, right? The Allen Iverson, he makes an appearance, and then he's right back off the court. I think I could see that for a one-off, but the marketing agents and everybody over at Kobe Inc. immediately like, no, 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 this, there's no truth to this. But it, but it made tongues wag and shows that Kobe still has that ability to get the eyebrows raised, even if it's you know the difference between where we're at in the NBA and the rising big three as a second basketball alternative i know it's not on the same level and it wouldn't be as you would get in the nba but there would be there would be some parallels and it's not the same direct comparison but of uh of a comeback of tiger woods to be able to see the guy that you loved as kobe fans would to see them perform again when you thought maybe you would never get that opportunity there could be some parallels there now different circumstances and not i mean tiger's playing in majors he's doing what he was doing before the big three wouldn't be that but sure, there would be something to bring that in. I see that Kobe's only involvement in that league is, yeah, it would be owning it or running that league as part of that. That would be the only way that I could see. I don't even see a game appearance. I don't think to leave scoring 60 points. Now, I don't care how many shots it was, but on that night. That was a magical that, night here yeah, in the in the studio. Yeah, to, to, to have that memory. I'm not saying it would be lessened if you go and play again. But what a way to keep that always on the mantle or keep that on top as the as the final exclamation point. I think that there's something to that on on the way that that players go out. I have to admit, I can't remember how Michael Jordan went out. I, I don't remember. 
I remember how Dr. J went out because I was lucky enough to be at the game in 1987, game five of the playoffs against the Milwaukee Bucks, and CBS did this great shot of, of Dr. J walking down the tunnel for the last time. But there are very few times that you can remember guys who don't go out on top how they went out. We'll always remember that night of 60 points for Kobe Bryant. So him lacing it up again would end up, I think, in my mind, diminishing what we saw with that greatness because there are very few athletes in any sport that can go out the way that he went out. Yeah, I, I remember it being excited about it but also cursing it because I have my portion of a season ticket package, get out to the game, take my daughters, introduce them. Like, we'll go see Kobe. Come on, you, you come with me. We got tickets tonight. And then he didn't show up. Home games where he was taking a lot mm-hmm. of those dates off and didn't even give me a suit appearance and a wave. Uh, so I got a lot of Lou Williams. So my kids are really big Lou Williams <laughs> fans, which is good. So all his extra exploits here in Los Angeles have been great for business. But we were getting ready to do the show, and you're wondering, all right, how's this going to flow? And then he misses his first five shots, and we're looking at, we're all looking around. Frostberg, our executive producer and, and noted Lakers honk, is looking at me going, uh-oh. <laughs> like even his face started to, he started to sink a little bit because you start off shooting slowly, but well, no conscience. He was going to go out firing and then finally started hitting shots. We had guys jumping up and down the hallway. You saw people running past the window here where we are in Los Angeles, trying to get to whatever watering hole to catch the second half because it started yeah. to take over social media. The number of impressions and tweets, you know, that's one of those big moments also from a social media perspective of watching the power of the live game event and how it could take over in what it was a quote, nothing game in terms of a larger NBA perspective, but for Kobe Bryant walking away and coming off with that kind of night, it, it said it all of, you know, how much he still moved the needle leaving. Yeah. Leaving on that note was magnificent. And guys remember that was the night the Warriors won 73. Remember it over, it completely yeah. overshadowed the storyline of that entire second half of the season, and maybe even the whole season. It and you was, know what was great about that? They went on to lose and didn't win the title, so 73 doesn't really matter no, anymore, does it? No, not 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 really. It it, it doesn't. It's it's, but, it's a lot of wasted effort. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, at the time, it was that, that was the story that we followed, whether it was the Warriors start to the season was, and then throughout was the quest to get number 73, and then on that night to have Kobe Bryant do that. And you're right, and it's the – the guys running up and down the hallway or people in their living room reacted the same way that they were with Tiger Woods two weeks ago at the PGA Championship. When you're going back, how many of those 60-point nights did Kobe have of recent history? There weren't any because he was either banged up or hurt, as he said, right. not showing up. So that was it. You were able to bring that back. And I think just of, of coming back diminishes all that a little bit. Not It wouldn't overshadow. You wouldn't say, like, oh, he played five minutes in the big three. No, but you have this memory of Kobe going out on top. It's best to not reveal if he's got bad knees. He, maybe he can do it. Probably he could do it. He could do it for a game, for a weekend. Maybe he could do it for a season. But if there was any point of a letdown or a breakdown, then you're like, oh, shoot. You know, like Kobe left on a high note. Why did it have to be? So, Owning the league, running the league, whatever I can see that. Anything else? I don't think it's. I don't think it's his bag of tea. Yeah, that was part of the voiceover of the whole love basketball uh, animated short. And if you haven't seen it, it, it's definitely worth a look. See the animation done by a guy named Glenn Keen. Uh, his brother wrote the Family Circus for all those years mm, as well, Dan. Yep. So there's your uh, comic strip trivia love, of the I day. I love Family Circus. I was like the only one. I would always have the books. Always, the I've, one, I've yeah. got a couple on the fridge. Yeah. They're still yes. there. The, the, yep. the not me's 
and all of those. Bill, My mom loved those. Bill Keen was the cartoonist. Yeah, so Bill yeah, did yeah. that, and Glenn Glenn was the Disney guy. Yep. So he he pairs up, and after leaving Disney, doing other pursuits, gets called into this, and it was part of the exhibit that we got to see, and we got to watch the film. But the big point towards the end was, look, I gave you everything I got. Physically, I got nothing left. And he made that point emphatically clear uh, as they go through the animation from loving basketball as a little boy all the way through. And it's like, that's it. I'm done. So as much as this headline got us all a bit excited, just knowing that it was probably nothing, just the thought of him getting back on a court and with LeBron coming to Los Angeles, that, it, that you know, you just start, the mind starts going of, could physically he give you 20 games in a regular season and then give you some minutes in the playoffs if the Lakers <laughs> – you know, it's just it's the wishing and hoping. You're, you're talking about the Tiger Woods yeah, effect, just, yeah. where he may never win, but the fact that he's competitive at all no. has people excited. Well, yeah, yeah, but nobody would want to see Tiger just teeing it up and go miscut after miscut. That's right. You know, they, they the the reason why it's so great is because of how great he's been playing. Hey, it's Tiger. Exactly, and there's me with my response to the most often played cut here uh, at Fox Sports Radio. Reminder: We're coming to you from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Fifteen minutes. Could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Go to Geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Dan Byer in for Jason Smith tonight. Coming up next, we get into the world of the NFL. Adrian Peterson is a member of the Washington Redskins, but he's also the last man standing, or shall we say one of two in a dying breed. We get into that next. Welcome back in Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. I'm Mike Harmon. He's Dan Byer in for Jason Smith as we watch Dodgers and Cardinals. Cardinals part of the action in terms of a big trade day in Major League Baseball. We'll get into that uh, in about 10 minutes from now. Bob Nightingale joins us next hour, about an hour from now, to talk about the day that was in Major League Baseball and some of the other moves that might still be in the offing. A lot of players put on waivers, and now we get into how do you do the post-trade deadline, waiver trade scenarios for dummies. We need a small pamphlet handed out to everybody in terms of how that all works out. But uh, a fun day because, well, we've got transactions and news and notes across all of our major sports. Hey, Hey, put it this way. Before July 31st, you can make a trade with whoever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Between August 1st and August 31st, you got to be able to allow him to be picked up or claimed by any other team, and then if he's not, then you could work out any sort of any sort of deal. Maybe that's the simplest way of doing it, of just saying it. No holds barred up until July thirty first. Now some some holds are barred. I was really hoping for an animated like little <laughs> logo, little little animated kind of, uh, mascot you know. that you were going to create there, Dan and. Instead, you became the mascot. Ah, simple. Just, you know, that's how you got to think of it. Don't worry about it. Great I'm not going to worry about it. I'll just wait yeah. for the trades to get consummated, and then we'll <laughs> move on. Uh, Bryce Harper did not get dealt. We'll get into that next hour with Bob Nightingale and a little bit more in 10 minutes. But the National Football League, yesterday we had the news. Adrian Peterson signs the one-year deal with the Washington Redskins. They lost rookie Darius Geis to an ACL injury in the preseason opener. Nice run. Uh, then, well, that was the end of that. And remember the famous words, if you're only going to let me carry the ball three times, don't play me at all. I think he got to six uh, before the injury occurred. Jay Gruden famously afterwards saying, we like our running back situation. We're not looking at veterans. And then no sooner than did he say that, that we got uh, itineraries for several off out-of-market running backs 
to pay a visit. Orleans Darkwa, Jamal Charles, and eventually Adrian Peterson, who evidently just blew everybody away in the workout, particularly the second half, the stamina, and what we've come to expect from Adrian Peterson coming in in top physical condition and conditioning and readying to be part of whatever his role would be in this backfield between Kelly, Thompson, Samaji, Pirine, go on down the line, all the, all the other injured players that are part of the mix. But for Adrian Peterson, seven 1,000-yard seasons in his career, each of those at least 1,266 yards, including that one 2,000-yard season. When we look at the pantheon of running backs and contrast it to where Le'Veon Bell is now, right, wanting to get paid as a, quote, offensive weapon. That's his term. That's what he's trying to say. It's, it's much like tight end saying, look, I'm a wide receiver. Look at where I line up. Let's count my snaps as a wide out versus uh, in tight with the offensive line, et cetera, and, and pay me accordingly. But when we look at Le'Veon Bell, a lot of his value, both real and in the fantasy world, is his ability to split out and catch passes. We recognize that the change of the position with secondary guys that are pass catchers, tertiary guys that are goal line backs. We got a nice mix across mm-hmm. the NFL. With Adrian Peterson, you bring him in, and not that he's going to be a 20 carry a game player. He could be for a short term. Maybe, maybe there's still something at age 33 that he can get it done. But when we look at the NFL as a whole, there are many players like him left of what Adrian Peterson was. Adrian Peterson was, and I guess is, because he's still playing, is the only guy in the NFL and has been the only guy in the NFL in the last 10 years that we have said this guy could be the NFL's all-time leading rusher. You may even want to make it 20 years, if you will, Mike. That is how good Adrian Peterson was, and that's how good of a player Adrian Peterson was in his career with the numbers that you back up. But there was so much flack yesterday given to the Washington Redskins and given to Adrian Peterson. Ah, this is the, he's washed up. He's not going to be able to play anymore. Yeah, that'll fix it, Washington. Don't look at it like that. That's the wrong way to look at it. Look at it like this. You are seeing the last of a dying breed in the National Football League. And that is running backs who have a legitimate shot at being one of the best ever, if not the best ever. Mike, we put Adrian Peterson as being a guy early in his career that could have been a threat to Emmett Smith's all-time rushing mark. And now, as we see how the NFL has changed, in my mind, Emmett Smith's all-time rushing mark, now untouchable. It is You are not going to touch that that mark, you can take any other stat you want in the NFL, Favre's consecutive game streak, any Jerry Rice stat you want. Emmett Smith's mark is untouchable because of the way that the NFL now is, whether it be how they use running backs. You talk about multi-use running backs in the National Football League. We talk about contracts, how quickly when they turn the age of 30 do they turn their back. So now when you watch Adrian Peterson at the age of 33, don't mock it, don't laugh at it, appreciate what you've got in the NFL because he and Frank Gore and maybe LaShawn McCoy are the last of the bunch. They, they are, you are not going to have a running back challenge for the all-time rushing lead or be one of the all-time greats 
just because the way has changed. And that's just the way it is. Peterson needs 37 yards to crack the top 10. He would bounce Jim Brown from the top 10 in terms of all-time rushing yardage. You got Frank Gore, who's 75 yards away from tying Curtis Martin for fourth on the all-time list, something you wouldn't expect. But you go back and and really look at the early football cards of Frank Gore and those (laughs) big numbers he was putting up with the 49ers. Uh, and then, obviously, a number of great years in Indianapolis, now continuing things in Miami. But you're going down the list. McCoy's sitting at 29th on the list. Lynch at 31. As you can see, this is Dan and I feeling our age night on Fox Sports Radio as we started with the celebration of Kobe Bryant getting into the changing uh, of the guard here in terms of the way. And, and it's not to say Peterson's going to come out and dominate, but it's just as we, we talk about new rules, we've done a lot on contact and, and helmet rules and all these other things, that that's not the only thing changing in the game. There's just how it's played overall. And for Adrian Peterson, gets another shot, injuries, age, all of these things, his suspension, those things all hang in and, and kept him from, he'd already be top 10 and who knows mm-hmm. yeah. where, where we're flying if none of that transpires. But the, the fact of the matter is, you've got a guy who's one of the few remaining. McCoy 29th, Lynch 31st. And then you get down to Jonathan Stewart. He's 59th. He's done for all intents and purposes. LeGarrette Blunt, one of our favorite sure. names. He's 92nd. You go all the way down to Le'Veon Bell sitting at, what is he at? 5,000, some 5,000 yards behind, you know, to get to 10,000. He's got, he's got 5,300 yards. How about the, how about this? I, I did some numbers crunching. Look at that. How many, math? how many years would you say Le'Veon Bell has as a top, running back in the National Football League. Perhaps another four. Okay. Sure. And that and that's let's but again now we're agreed. talking total yards versus Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Let's give him six. Let's give him six seasons of being a top running back in the National Football League. If Le'Veon Bell does that, he would have to average two thousand one hundred and sixty nine yards rushing a season to break Emmett Smith's mark. That's that's six <laughs> seasons on average of 2,169 yards, that's how far down the list he is. Todd Gurley, hey, Todd Gurley, definitely one of the top backs in the National Football League. Let's say Todd Gurley, who's got three years under his belt, worst case scenario, or maybe best case scenario, eight seasons. Mike, he'd have to average 1,882 yards just rushing to break Emmett Smith's mark. And that's how far off it is, and that's how much Things have changed in the National Football League when it comes to running backs. You think Todd Gurley's got eight strong years as a running back? Probably not. Even though he's three years in, that would be 11 years at the top of your game. You don't see that anymore. And that's why you need to appreciate an Adrian Peterson for what he did. Appreciate a Frank Gore for what he did. And there's one more group. And, Mike, you've heard me say this 100 million times. As you talk about how Le'Veon Bell wants to be paid for his usage as a receiver and a running back. Hall of Fame, start giving credit to Fred Taylor, Ricky Waters, Tiki Barber, Warwick Dunn, uh, Priest Holmes for his great years. We know fantasy-wise, guys who were able to run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield. Edrin James isn't in the Hall of Fame yet, yet he's top 15 in rushing and was that dual threat. That's what the position now is in the National Football League, and there were guys 10, 15, 20 years ago that that did it better than everybody else. But 
Are we ever talking about those guys getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? No, we're not. And we're not even talking about running backs getting in the Pro Football no. Hall of Fame anymore either. He had Danny Tomlinson, who definitely deserved to get in. But the next couple of ones that we're going to see, yeah, it's going to be fewer and fewer uh, down the line with running backs getting into the Hall. It's a special time. Appreciate the likes of Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. Well, that's the question, right? Do we start getting back like Major League Baseball where we start letting guys in the back door? And there's there's a bunch of them start start getting in off some veterans because because mm-hmm. they've been snubbed to this point, right? Edgar and James is a Hall of Famer by all metrics, yeah, right by by everything you look at. You look you go back to Ricky Waters, some of the names you mentioned, and I I always hate that you have to have this 15, 20 year hindsight of you know what those guys were really good, and they they even though they didn't blow up the stat sheet, it didn't look like like Curtis Martin I think is is a great example of that. The overall numbers were staggering, but there was never the celebration of what Curtis Martin was mm-hmm. outside of New York. Yeah. And it, then all of a sudden, it's like you recognize the career, and, and he gets into the Hall of Fame, and it goes from there. I always felt Jerome Bettis was being was being congratulated and, and was being built up because he was so one-dimensional. I mean, because all he did was run them. He wasn't catching passes, right. yet all these other guys were doing all these different things not getting nearly the credit, and Jerome Bettis is in the Hall of Fame, and now you've got this group of running backs. And I've and I felt this way for years. We've done it on so many Sunday mornings, but it's another time to bring it up. So, the hell of me, a bowler, too, Dan. Going. Hell gets of a bowler, too, Dan Byer. That reminder, Fox uh, football fantasy begins again on Sunday. Three-hour preview with us. Uh, we get into the Washington Nationals. Why? Because it was fire sale day. Uh, well, a lot of stuff going on in Washington, but we'll stick to the Nationals here on Fox Sports Radio for all of the latest. Uh, the NFL wild card, Richie Incognito, has been arrested again, this time after causing trouble at a funeral home in Scottsdale, Arizona. His father died. He was there taking care of arrangements. Richie got in an argument in the casket section of the funeral home, started knocking things over, saying crazy things. A 911 tape came out today. Richie Incognito just showed up there mad at the employees there and once he did say he was going to kill someone there he told the director that he had guns in the truck earlier description white male 35 years old six foot 315 heavily tattooed with gym shorts t-shirt baseball cap and it says afc on it cops found a pile of guns in incognito's truck including three rifles rifles uh, two handguns and a silencer yeah. Was, was, he, yes. was he wearing a Pro Bowl hat? Yeah, he was wearing like, an AFC yeah, hat. Yeah, like, like you got oh. that at the Pro Bowl. Representing wow. the AFC, yes. Uh, that's what's trending. We'll have more on this and the sinking Nationals right now with uh, Mike Harmon and Dan Byer on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks, Looney. Sure. Yeah, the Eek. incognito story oh. is certainly one that oh. – uh, a lot of stuff going on there to to dissect. As we come oh, to you live, go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, if I search Richie Incognito Pro Bowl, what are the odds we see this hat in Google Images? I'm thinking it's got to be pretty good. Pretty prominent, pretty I would suspect. Yeah, because you got to have it at the Pro Bowl. Why not wear it? Hey, there it is. I guarantee backwards cap. Sure enough. Sorry. There it is. This story, as it started to break this morning, you're inching towards the, the edge of your seat. Wondering how it's going to play out, and then more and more details flow as as Looney just laid out. Just uh, a frightening turn of events. You you hope that he gets the help that he needs, and that people around him uh, get the protection and space that they need as well. Uh, we're coming to you from the Geico Studios. It's easy to save fifteen percent or more on car insurance with Geico. You can call eight hundred nine four seven Auto or go to Geico.com. The only hard part: figuring out which way is easier. 
So as we mentioned, the Washington Nationals with their fire sale, eight games out in the NL East, six and a half back out of the second wild card slot. But you're talking about jumping over a mountain of teams. Uh, well, three uh, definitely in front of them. And the two wild card teams sitting there are Milwaukee and Philadelphia as of today with San Francisco right behind. Andrew McCutcheon reportedly had been placed on waivers, so potential that you see a deal with him as well. But Matt Adams, gone. Daniel Murphy, a guy with a 413 lifetime batting average at Wrigley Field in 28 games, wore him out back in 2015. I know that's all that Jason Smith, uh, my esteemed partner, uh, most nights here on the show, he uh, he wanted to just say, go to the clubhouse and remind him of 2015. It's like, they don't care. He's just the <laughs> new guy. Can he do that again uh, when they get to the playoffs this year? Uh, they have the the news today where they, they do lose uh, their starter, their acquisition uh, of the offseason. So looking for pitching help somewhere along the way as well. But for Washington, they were 9-1. to one coming into the season for World Series brilliance. You talk about the starting rotation coming in, one of the most vaunted and and hallowed of all of Major League Baseball. Bryce Harper obviously hitting home runs, but the batting average languishing, which made him uh, available on on trade wins. We thought about it before the All-Star break and the home run derby that he ends up winning in dramatic fashion and the feel-good story that that was. But finally, they put up the white flag and, and raise it. And we, we talk a little bit, Dan, uh, on the Sunday morning show as this season has unfolded is where, where does, do you ride it out to its bitter end that you can make up enough ground and find your way into a wild card game? Because if you do, you've got the starting pitching. You don't have a bullpen, but you have the starting pitching to potentially carry you over the top and a good young nucleus. But it looks like they've finally just said, all right, this era's done. Let's wave the flag and figure it out. Yeah, I I argue that the Nationals shouldn't have traded or, or shouldn't have accepted a deal for Bryce Harper prior to that July 31st trade deadline because I believe at the time, and maybe it was a difference of a day, but it was about a six-game deficit that they had in the National League right. East. And as we had John Morosi on last night talking baseball, he points out this team has lost ground over the last three weeks since that trade deadline. So now maybe you are going to see moves being made. It tells you how bad things have been for the Nationals over these last three weeks and what an upside-down season it is that we aren't talking about it from the Cubs' angle of the best team or the the team with the best record, at least in the National League, getting someone of the caliber of Daniel Murphy who has played a lot better. Now, Chris Bryant's dinged up. You can maybe move Javi Baez to different spots, whether it be to third, whether it be to shortstop. But the Cubs added one heck of a bat, but the season has been so awful for the Washington Nationals, or at least so difficult to take, that that's the story. And and I just, look, Murphy was in the final year of his deal. You could get something back for him. I, I get it. But if you're, if you're a Nationals fan, I just wonder this core that you have there, and so much is going to be made about Bryce Harper's future, Mike. I just, you know, is, is it? Is, is this is this somewhat relief being like, okay, finally we could kind of maybe move on from this era, which was once so promising, but maybe we're 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 moving on two months early. Daniel Murphy probably wasn't going to be back next season. Right. You still got to figure out a way to, to to pay Bryce Harper if you want him. And the way to get bring him back is to just pay him the most money because that's what's going to happen. But it's almost seems like a cleansing a little bit because this season is lost. I don't think that there's if the Nationals couldn't do it in these three weeks. 
what's going to change in the next three weeks. So with an even bigger deficit, you talked about the teams they needed to leapfrog. It just shows you how bad the season has been for Washington. Record-wise, maybe not as bad, but when you look at what was expected, who's ahead of them, and what their record is, yeah, it's been atrocious. Well, that's that dangerous part of the the schedule where we're at right now, right, as we get towards the, the back end of August here. And not you're not looking at the games behind column anymore. Now it's more schedule walk, watching. How many more series do you have against the teams right around you, those in front of you? What's your season record to date, particularly when you're looking at in-division mm-hmm. and the, the unbalanced schedule? What does that all mean? Matt Adams goes to – St. Louis, they'll pick up the rest of his $4 million salary. Murphy gives the, the Cubs, in theory, the jump start as a team batting just 239 uh, in August. And you mentioned the Chris yeah. Bryant injury. So giving them a little bit of pop and a guy with veteran experience. But for the Nationals, yeah, the fans have to be wringing their hands, wondering what got away. Much like we talk about a lot here in Los Angeles with Mike Trout and this era of, ma- of oh, baseball goodness. as well. Yeah, my goodness. To, to, have, to have Scherzer and Strasburg let alone all the other pieces that you had in, in the lineup to be able to not get it done. And they do have good players. They've got good young players. They're actually excited about their outfield. It's just this this is the era that I think that is going to be the the pit in your stomach after eating too much popcorn at an average movie. That's how you're going to feel if you're a Nationals fan. He's Dan Byer. I'm Mike Harmon. This is the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon reminding you, when you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates. And that's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes. Set up screener questions based on your job requirements. And then you can zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness. Search. Indeed. Coming up next, we take a spin in the fantasy realm and go to the early draft results and tell you who people are reaching for most. That's next on Fox. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. One of the most overrated songs currently on Top 40 Radio. (laughs) Uh, welcomes us back in. Toto did it better. I'm sorry. It's the same song. Deal with it, Weezer. It's the same song. They did nothing to change it. Are you kidding me? It's terrible. The, like, no. Toto's, Toto's gold. Toto's pure gold. That's. Song makes no sense. It stinks. At Swollen on Twitter. I love this this song when it's sung by Toto. I'm not a, you know, I'm just Just like. Just pretend it is, guys. You know? No. No, I (laughs) Can't do it. I saw Toto in concert a few years back. They were amazing. Yes. What, what else was on the bill, Dan? It was uh, Toto and Michael McDonald. Yep. I you buried the lead. The Michael McDonald's the way to go. No. This is Toto. Uh, Harvey, this is the original. Know, you, you obviously don't know the story. It was the night Michael McDonald had laryngitis. Oh. Yeah. So, see, this I this doesn't. See, now I've taken him down a yeah, this isn't, deep, dark yeah. path here. Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. We've now just depressed my partner tonight, Dan Byer, at Dan Byer on Fox. If you want to cheer him up on Twitter, find me over at Swollen Dome. You okay, buddy? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I was just, I just, I, 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 I like how, yeah, I heard this. I've heard it a lot on radio, and I like how Weezer ends up maybe paying tribute to Toto because this was a fan request, right? But I just love the Toto version better. I. Just that's the way it is. I would say this. The one, I kind of get that worked I, up over this because I just, I I do. I, I hope relax. that people who like the song end up 
going and listening to Toto and going back to, to the original. Toto. Yes. Now, I did like the live version they did with Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, when he I came out I with the, oh no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No, when he when he starts playing along, you're in good territory. How about we do a little fantasy football? Yeah, let's here? do that. And uh, now that Toto's on the brain, all right. In the overdrafted world, as far as I see it, I'm doing my first mock drafts. We're getting ready for our fantasy preview show. Comes Sunday, and starting to go through the process, and and just looking at where guys are being drafted right now, and and I look at the first first round and what I have to do to procure Saquon Barkley means someone else can have him as far as I'm concerned. He's the sixth running back off the board right now. Average draft position, 8.3, and that's across thousands upon thousands of Yahoo leagues that have drafted thus far. Got a bit of an injury issue right now. That's fine. But come the regular season, wondering aloud if against NFL defense, we saw the 39-yard rush. That was great. Red Ellison comes back with the bat at the tight end with the block to seal things off that gained him another 25 yards. Most folks aren't pointing out the blocking that was done. They did a great job to spring him. That's part of the equation. But then he couldn't fall forward the other four carries that he had in the game and wondering where that balance is established. He will have some jailbreak opportunities. And I wonder aloud if there isn't a little bit of that Barry Sanders stat line, which will look great in the end if he rips off the 86 touchdown run at the end of a string of negative ones, ones, zeros, and they're patient. Will Pat Shermer be fit, patient enough to get him the, the ball? It, it happened in college, and I also think another thing with the Giants that you have to look at is not only is Odell Beckham Jr. back, Mike, but you've got another year with Evan Ingram, who suited himself just nicely with the Giants' rookie yes. season. You think he's going to evolve? And now you have Sterling Shepard, who was also hurt at times last year. So you've got a full arsenal of receivers not that that would dig into the running game but for a full well-rounded offense yeah i agree with you i think that there's there's going to be there's going to be the football's going to need to go around a lot and maybe it won't be in saquon barkley's hands as much as people want it to believe but as you mentioned all those stars one thing to remind you that eli manning's being drafted as a back-end number two quarterback despite top 10 Guys at positions mm-hmm. everywhere else. Just one to make note of. Adam Thielen being drafted 26th overall. New offense, new focus with Kirk Cousins under center. Give me Stephon Diggs a round and a half later. Four touchdowns last year for Adam Thielen. That isn't a mirage or an aberration. I think that shows you how the Vikings want to use him. He's not going to get in the end zone much. Why would you take him that high? Next one, Christian McCaffrey, 28th overall. We saw the run and Dominican oh, 2. Oh we talked about it. Oh, boy. That, yeah, that run is going to – yeah, you're spot on. So that PPR leagues, him, yeah. right? So PPR leagues, I understand you're going to get a lot of opportunity. But word comes down today, Khalil has knee surgery. He will be, quote, evaluated week to week. And a reminder that they'd already lost their right tackle for the year. So you've already got a banged-up offensive line. Not that C.J. Anderson's going to take over overall, but he's a better between-the-tackles runner. So that he's going to siphon off some of the ca- touches. And let's face it, do we trust that offense altogether? I think that that one single play jumped him up about six spots. in dra- Because now you're saying, oh, he can run the ball yeah. too now. Yeah, be careful. All right, we'll go one more guy. Carson Wentz, seventh quarterback, and we're going to talk about him coming up in about five minutes from now because of some news we got today. Seventh quarterback off the board, 60th overall. So back end of the fifth round with all of the talent at the quarterback position. 
that's an awful lot of trust for a guy where we're raising our hands and wondering aloud what his value is early in the season. And expect to get zero from him rushing the football. You think the Eagles want him running around? They were mad at him when he did it his rookie year, and look what happened. Or second year, look what happened. Fun stuff all around. Jarek McKinnon was the other honorable mention of this out of San Francisco. Full fantasy show Sunday morning, 6 a.m. Pacific. Coming up next, we talk about that Philadelphia quarterback position because we got some interesting news today on Fox. Locked and loaded, hour two of the show. Weezer night on the show, at least on the other side of the glass, (laughs) perhaps not going through our ears. Dan Byer threatening a walk-off. <laughs> oh. oh, no. no I, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm going to go all Jim Ross. By God, look out. Dan Byer's got a chair. He's going to take down Alex Teichert. Could be Man. the end of him. But when you're I wanted, getting trolled, if I wanted Dan. to relive college, I'd go back to college. You know, that I've been thinking was, about that, oh, Dan. Jeez. Thinking that might be a, a good alternative. I don't want to be a music hater at all because I think music is – but whatever people like, whatever people like, I just have never taken to Weezer. Never. Never. And, yeah. My friends even went to a concert this past weekend, and it was just Not never... even Beverly Hills, Dan? No. Nothing. But that's where you wanted to be. Living in Beverly Hills. Yeah, there you go. See? I, I said it with yeah. all the excitement I can muster, Dan. <laughs> just, As you can tell, I, it's not, to, not tops on my playlist, is, but, you know. As I told you guys, I'd rather listen to Wheezy Jefferson all night than Weezer. Nicely done. That's, now I want to go turn back into the 70s. That, that TV theme songs, or we'll probably do that with Rob Parker later in the week. He's Dan Byer in for Jason Smith. I'm Mike Harmon. Welcome in to the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Get on over to Geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. Dan, some news neither you nor I expected coming out of the National Football League today when it was announced that the Philadelphia Eagles will play Nick Foles in Thursday night's preseason (laughs) game against your Cleveland Browns. Yes, the Cleveland Browns, everybody's favorite darling on hard knocks. Still trying to make sure. We don't have a lot of visual elements here, Dan, so I can't really go into full detail of Baker Mayfield's new underwear campaign. Right, It's it's the line designed by a couple of basketball players. You got a tiger. You got some cool cars as, as Doug Gottlieb, our colleague here at Fox Sports Radio. You work with Doug during the week. 12 to 3 Pacific. This week, Doug doing mornings with Jason Smith on the Dan Patrick Show. He pointed out the suicide doors on the car that, that he was posing with. You can look it up. You can go through that. Uh, just an interesting photo shoot. Uh, if you want to capture and, and create some memes or or give it some uh, captions, please do. Uh, at Dan Byer on Fox, at Swollen Dome. Uh, I'll tweet out a photo uh, from that shoot coming up a little bit later. But the Eagles play the Browns. Nick Foles is going to play. It is... Hurt his shoulder last week against the Patriots, being hit mid-throw by Adrian Claiborne in the second quarter. Clutched his arm. They said it was a, quote, mild strain, and he was back on the practice field by Sunday. Now, Nate Sudfeld had the monster game over 300 yards, three touchdowns as a placeholder going in. So Nick Foles going back not only onto the practice field, but getting back into game action. I know the dress rehearsal. It's the first time I'll say it, perhaps the only time this week. but. It leaves me scratching my head and getting a bit nervous. We just did the fantasy overdrafted and Carson Wentz sitting as the number seven quarterback. I have to wonder if there aren't bigger details being given to us by the Eagles here. You could make an argument that if the Eagles were to hold out Nick Foles 
Thursday night against the Browns that they don't have a great feeling about Carson Wentz's shoulder being ready for week one. Mike, I actually think because they're playing him Thursday against the Cleveland Browns, meaning Nick Foles, they don't have a good feeling about Carson Wentz's shoulder week one. I didn't think that Wentz would be ready for them in the season opener two weeks from Thursday against the Atlanta Falcons. And I think that this move here of getting Nick Foles to play in this game, Nate Sudfeld, after Foles went out against the New England Patriots, ended up throwing for over 300 yards. He was be- fantastic. He had to take all the snaps. So that there right. was that it's it happened. So you've got to you got to make him available to you know play to take the rest of the snaps because you have Wentz obviously not playing. Foles ends up getting knocked out. You could have Sudfeld play this entire Thursday night game as well if if you wanted to. But I think that they want to get in there. They want to get Nick Foles some more reps to have to, to go through this, and it says more about Carson Wentz. I don't think that Carson Wentz is going to be ready for week one. Haven't felt that. And I think them for rushing him back and getting him back in or at least having him play. I know he returned to practice, but I think this just tells us more and more that, okay, Carson Wentz isn't going to be ready for week one. You still have Callahan and, and the great Hackenberg on the back end of the bench whenever we say that. I love it. We. Oh. We what well, that was good. I I didn't think he. I know he's a Penn State guy and all, but I didn't really think that that Tom Looney would chime in with so vociferously and positively about Christian Hackenberg. But the in fact is, I love it too, Tom. That's good. I feel pretty good about it. But when we're looking at the the Eagles overall, you go back into the off season, Foles, and the Super Bowl victory, and then the potential for a trade partner, right? And they don't bother to exercise it because. You've got no money invested in your quarterback position. This is where you're primed for a little bit of run of success. You've got Wentz still on his rookie deal. Foles isn't making much money. So you've got an opportunity here to have a nice run, and you don't want to give away quarterback position. And obviously, when you don't know how ready Carson Wentz will be for the start of the season, you put yourself into a nice poker game, and you played that part of the hand brilliantly. And now you get to game three of the preseason, and I think you're still questioning why rush Carson Wentz well, back, right? You're playing long-term. You're playing for January. The first, and, and I know the Easton theory got better. The Giants are healthy, and you add Barkley in the backfield. So at least in theory, they should push back. Because last year, they were a favorite to at least be competitive in the division, perhaps not to win it. And then everybody got hurt, and it fell apart, and it became a miserable season, and all we did was laugh at the Giants. They they were just above the Jets in terms of pecking order of laughing. Because you don't laugh at the Browns anymore. It was just sad. Just sure. sad. You didn't laugh at him anymore. So so you had that pathetic showing. You look at, at the Redskins, they bring in Alex Smith. Jay Gruden, so long as he's there, I'm I'm not going to be a believer because I think everybody passes the buck and tries for someone else to blame when things go wrong there, and he's the guy that's the chief finger pointer. And then you look at Dallas. Offensive line's not what it was a couple of years ago, and we're not sure if Michael Gallup is enough of the number one receiver to help carry what's a reconstructed offense. Yes, Ezekiel Elliott is back. Five 100-yard games last year missed the six games, so they should be better and find balance. But who's catching passes for Dak Prescott? Jury's out. Well, I see. You know, it's your point about the Eagles playing Foles brilliantly. I don't think that they did. I just the highest Nick Foles value was was right after the Super Bowl. That's the most. That's the highest that Nick Foles value will be. And there were reports they got offers of a second-round pick from Cleveland and asked Foles about it, and he wasn't interested. So they ended up not doing the deal, obviously knowing that Wentz may not have been 
been fully healthy. But why not, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, try to sell high on Nick Foles instead of trying to take a two- or three-game break before Carson Wentz is ready? I think they should have traded Foles in the offseason and gotten what they could have gotten him because I just don't think that his value is ever going to be higher than it was of winning Super Bowl 52 over the New England Patriots. Now they're in a spot where, yeah, they're covered for these next couple of weeks, but I just I, I look at the NFC as a whole. You mentioned the NFC East. Uh, the Packers got better because Aaron Rodgers is fully healthy. The Rams improved. We expect the NFC South to, to bring Atlanta, Carolina, and the Saints. It just it, To me, it got tougher. The Vikings got better with Kirk Cousins. So that's when I see like with the Eagles of, yeah, it's nice to say that we kept the backup and we have the best quarterback position in the National Football League, but when everybody's coming at you, sometimes you got to do some stuff even when you're on top. I thought they could have got value for Foles. It'll maybe help them in these next couple of weeks when he starts, and maybe they can end up beating in Atlanta and, and going. I think they play the Buccaneers week two. But if you can get wins there, that's nice. But in the grand scheme of things, I felt that they, they probably should have dealt Foles in the offseason. Well, I just looked at it from the, the perspective of, look, he's got the giant escalator after this next season in terms of salary, so he won't be around. But when you're looking at a second-round pick on a team – that's positioned as well as they were, like from a full 53-man roster. Not that there aren't always, always holes to plug, but they were fairly well set with their starters coming back. So why disrupt it? If you're getting a second-round pick, is it going to be someone who's necessarily an impact well, player? Perhaps. Yeah, nowadays but, it is. That's that's but, the only thing that but, I – I mean, if you're looking at – it's just the value of it, of, of the value of how often can you do it and how important – is a backup quarterback like Nick Foles starting three regular season games for you? How important is that? Well, but it's also you the know? insurance card because even if Carson does get cleared, coming off the injury that he had, yeah. do you have a setback? Is he back on on the sidelines? It's, you know, you're trying to play a, a the, the long poker game, right? And you're trying to sit out the number of hands to to be the team left standing. At the end, with all the chips. Do you think they're the favorite in the NFC? Do you think that the Eagles are in the NFC? I would say no. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think so. But, but that's always the position that we see the drop off so stark on so many teams. We're like, this team's great, but if this guy gets hurt, they're done, right? We look at the Steelers. If Ben Roethlisberger legitimately no longer just has the red injury note and he's actually out for a period of time, are they good enough? Right? I'm, Is Landry yeah. Jones going to carry? No. No. Right? And and go on down the line. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt again. We saw what happened there. Yeah. They're done. And and like team for team. So when you've got a quarterback that's capable and is proven capable, and, and even if he's uneven on his hole, and right, and so many people are like, it was so bad before the playoffs. And maybe maybe he reverts and maybe he's terrible again. But you at least have a guy that showed in some big moments that he could make a play. And when it's only with that type of cap hit for this year. I think I think you keep yourself best position you can. I think that that you could have got a five to ten year starter in the second round, as crazy as that sounds, and they kept Nick Foles for three games. That's how I look at it, and I just and and it's and it's more of a bigger discussion about Carson Wentz and where the Eagles. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey isn't healthy. Right. I, I know they get no, Jason sure. Peters back this season, but I just think at that point, that's where I thought Nick Foles was more valuable to the Eagles of being dealt, but. Of him being cleared to come back from the shoulder injury, I, I know it may seem like, oh, they, if if he wasn't going to play, they're trying to protect him because Wentz isn't there. I actually think they're trying to play him 
because they need him to be ready for week one. Get him his reps. Get him his exercise. At Dan Byer on Fox, where you find Dan, find me over at Swollen Dome as we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance, so go over to geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up next, we bring in one of our esteemed Major League Baseball scribes, breaking down a big dealing day in Major League Baseball as one team sends up the white flag of surrender. We get into that next on Fox. I hate that song. Greetings. Welcome back in Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Jason Smith out tonight, Dan Beyer in his stead. Uh, The running joke tonight, the musical stylings of Weezer. Dan, not a fan of the remake of Toto's Africa. The boys on the other side of the glass trying to celebrate the catalog, if for nothing else, to see if they can get Dan to Hulk out. I just, Willie turned green. I like, I like, I love Toto's music. I love a, a bunch of their songs, and I'm just saying that that version, and I'm glad that that as we were talking, hopefully it will allow a new generation of music listeners to enjoy Toto. And I think that, you know, Weezer obviously did the cover because they really respected Toto. It's just not my not my thing. And I don't want to play music boss or the, the guy who tells you your band stinks or this band stinks. So whatever. It's just not my thing. That's all. It's all good. Yeah, we, we get music and pop culture in on the show all the time. You're not a huge movie guy. So we could we could hit the music button here sure. when you're in, Dan. So we could we could have fun with that. Drop no- some Joe. Just like we Alex did, did well, last that, night. We'll, we'll get a little yeah. bit more, perhaps, Keep in the sweat slide maybe over coming, up at, coming up in about 40 minutes. Dan, maybe. don't spoil it. Look at you, trying to cheat and get ahead on the the slide over baby hour. Coming up in about 25 minutes from now, we will get into the family feud, a little baseball-related topic for you today. But we welcome on the hotline USA Today, Major League Baseball columnist, our buddy Bob Nightingale. Follow him on Twitter, at B Nightingale. Nice slow day in Major League Baseball, Bob, as the white flag finally gets raised in Washington. Yeah, it's a uh, kind of end of a uh, miserable year for, for them, five weeks early. Uh, yeah, horrendous season. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably the most embarrassing, underachieving season they've ever had in Nationals history or Expos history. Well, when you look at it, you know, one of the reports, and, and you were on it all, all day, Bob, you know, the Bryce Harper and certainly here in Los Angeles, people were ready to go print off T-shirts and bogus merchandise uh, to get it outside the stadium for tonight. How close were they legitimately to ever getting a deal done? You know, not that close talking to officials. The uh, Dodgers put a claim in there. They said they were, they were happy to, uh, you know, take on the rest of that contract, which is about, you know, about $5 million. And they, uh, the, you know, the Nationals wanted more. They wanted prospects with it. And the Dodgers said no. So, yeah, never got close to a trade. But certainly the Dodgers made sure if they weren't going to have them, nobody else was either. Bob, what about the Cubs side of things with this Daniel Murphy deal? Is it more – are they worried about Chris Bryant? Is this just a uh, – I mean, I, Murphy's been great as of late. But what was the real reason why they wanted to bring Daniel Murphy to Chicago's north side? Yeah, you know, this uh, this offense has been struggling. I mean, you're talking about – Five straight games, one a solo homer each game. It's only happened once in the franchise history back in uh, 1934. Uh, I think it's a, a lot of it was to protect Addison Russell. You know, he's been struggling big time. Uh, hasn't been the same player. Has had shoulder injuries. I bet they put him on the disabled list tomorrow and add him. 
in that way, then you can sh- you know shift over uh, Javi Baez to shortstop. You got Murphy, you know uh, Murphy over there at second, and then you know at, at some point they still expect Bryant to be back, but if not, you can always you know slide Murphy over to third base and have Bryant play the outfield. It gives them just tremendous, tremendous depth. Well, it also gave them a little Vegas misdirection as they announced that you Darvish is done for the season, and certainly there were there were a lot of. Uh column inches and uh, minutes on sports talk radio and television in Chicago about his appearance or lack thereof for the Cubs this year. Yeah. I mean, just a, uh, a brutal free agent signing if, you know, by the first year. I mean, you're talking about a guy who earned $26 million. You got one win out of it and they, uh, in 40 innings. So, you know, like you just hope that he bounces back, you know, maybe it was all, and after a fact of what happened, the World Series never quite recovering, uh, you know, from those two terrible games with, with the Dodgers. But yeah, a, an absolute nightmare of a season. And they're lucky Cole Hamels has stepped up and done so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been their savior so far. How much is the return of Jose Altuve going to help the Houston Astros? I know it's an easy question, but is is that the what are the reasons they've been struggling with him and Stringer? He comes back tonight. What about Altuve's worth to Houston? Yeah, I think we were undervalued how important he was. I, you know, I thought he was a very good player, and but they have so many great ones, but maybe a whole lot more valuable than we thought, just considering the nosedive they went in. And uh, you know, some of the starters have kind of, you know, they're not pitching lights out like they like they were. The bullpen's been a, uh, a, a questionable, so a little more frail than we thought. And this was a team you thought was as good as any team in baseball. You know, certainly as good as the, as the Red Sox. And all of a sudden, you're watching what the Cleveland Indians are doing. It's like, wait a minute, now maybe the Cleveland Indians are the team to beat in in the World Series. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith's show with Mike Harmon. Jason out tonight, Dan Beyer in his stead. Uh, Find him on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox, me at Swollen Dome on the hotline with us. USA Today, Major League Baseball columnist, Major League Baseball Network insider, our buddy Bob Nightingale. Find him on Twitter, his latest musings at B Nightingale. To to stick with that, talking about the Indians and, and where they're at, Dan and I have talked the last couple nights, Bob, uh, a lot about Chris Sale and his injury. And as we see deals starting to be consummated, I know they have a big lead, but do we see the Red Sox going out and making any moves to make sure they're covered if he's unavailable? You know, I think this is just a protection thing. I think he's fine. I think if they're in the middle of a division race, we'd be seeing Chris Sale pitch. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, he's had a struggle in September in the past with his, uh, you know, slender body frame and everything else. So I think he'll be just fine. And I think, you know, come playoff time, they'll be fine too, uh, you know, with that rotation of Sale and Porcello and, and David Price. Uh, you know, they could probably use one more reliever if they could find one. But I think they're, you know, happy, especially getting Baldy now too, happy going into the uh, postseason with what they have. Bob, I'm going to put you to work here, okay? this is We're going we're gonna to work through this since we're talking about the American League and we're talking about pitching. Let's take the five teams that the playoffs would start today. Starting pitching-wise, who do you like the most, number one? Who do you like the least at number five? So just for the audience, Red Sox, Yankees, Indians, Astros, and A's. How would you rank starting pitching for those five teams if we were to start the playoffs today? Obviously, Chris Sale would be healthy as well. Yeah, I would go Houston number one. I think that rotation is, you know, the best we've seen since Atlanta Braves days with Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox. Uh, I'd probably go Red Sox, Red Sox two, uh, Cleveland three, 
And I'll probably take Oakland. I take Oakland over the Yankees. Yeah. Oakland <laughs> yeah, right, sure. right, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, what, they're, they're, yeah, they're pitching great. They're pitching great right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm staring at Edwin Jackson's face right now, sitting there at a two five eight <laughs> ERA, and really to me, one of the more baffling things. I, obviously, the A is a fantastic story. You see this month. I mean, the Chris Davis story yesterday. I showed it to my daughters, and they wanted to watch it two, three times. The kids signing the jersey, and then Davis hitting a moonshot home run. Uh, everybody with tears in their eyes. Uh, a big moment, but. You know, a feel-good story, but Edwin Jackson, who who saw this coming? Thirteen teams in the covering, and it's like his fourteenth team. I think. Edwin Jackson didn't <laughs> see this coming, guys. I'm telling no, you. No, I mean, <laughs> look, I would have bet the house if I'm him. Look, I'm betting on myself. Good lord. Well, I know. I mean, he's going to uh, he's got a chance before his career's over. Literally, to pitch for at least 20, 20 ball clubs. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he best Bartolo Cologne for sure. <laughs> Uh, Bob Nightingale joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. What about sorting out in the National League? I mean, are the Cardinals now the team that that is is going to make a push? What even if they don't win the division, are is St. Louis primed to grab at least one of the wild card spots? They are. I mean, we might have to give Mike Schilt the Manager of the Year award, and he's only been there <laughs> a couple months. It's unbelievable how well they're playing. Uh, you know, winning again tonight if they. Uh, you know, win this ball game over the Dodgers, they're just two and a half games out. Uh, stunning what they have done. If I'm the Cubs, I'm a little, I'm a little scared to death here what these guys are doing. And because uh, they have so many pitchers and players in the DL, they could be very dangerous uh, with those September call-ups. Just, you know, the Dodgers will cover, you know, with, with their uh, September call-ups as well because they have such a deep farm system. But I, I think the, uh, the Cardinals have got a chance to scare everybody. Still want to know what got into the water after making the managerial change, just a looser clubhouse, the message old suddenly, I mean, obviously winning cures a lot of ills, but you, you look at the way this team just totally flipped the script. Uh, just pretty, uh, an amazing run. You don't normally see in the middle of a season. No, you know, it's kind of used to homegrown guys. It's almost like, you know, they, uh, you know, put Dexter Fowler on the disabled list or big free agent. They had signed uh, Greg Holland uh, after the start of the season, released him. So it's like, you know what, let's just go with the homegrown kids. And they've just been playing lights out. Uh, you know, nobody develops their players uh, more than St. Louis Cardinals. It's amazing how many homegrown guys they have. Nobody ever hears about them. They call them up and they just they, uh, you know, uh, play lights out. Uh, it's it's un- unbelievable. And you're talking about the big boys like Carlos M- Martinez just came back and he's in the bullpen. And then a win rate, and then uh, Michael Walker's still on the table list, and they're supposed to come back. Fantastic stuff. Bob Nightingale, USA Today Sports, Major League Baseball columnist, MLB Network insider with us here. Bob, thanks for staying up with us. Uh, enjoy the rest of the games tonight. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bob. Bob Nightingale. Find him on Twitter, at B Nightingale. Yeah, the Chris Davis. I'll tweet that out if you missed it. That was one of the – things that was all over the highlight shows and certainly cut four made sure to post that out uh, a, a feel good moment uh, in a day that was filled with otherwise uh, just ugly news and court findings and all sorts of other things in the larger political scale, which is why it's good. We, we go to the world of sports and box scores and, and good moments like that. Dan. Yeah. And the, the, the A's have been providing a lot of good moments for their fans, but last night, yeah. Pretty neat to see that on the left shoulder of Chris Davis. Well, even getting into the stadium when it's not a bobblehead day. That is the big turn of events in Oakland. 
Next, we get into a little bit of NFL work. Bill Belichick talking about the rule changes and how you address them. And then Adrian Peterson, we revisit a conversation we had about an hour ago and hear what he has to say to his doubters. That's next. But first, we step out to our esteemed colleague. Hi. And swole among swole update anchors. Thank you so much. Tom Looney to give us the latest in this sporting universe. I got nattering nabobs of baseball numbers. Guys, a gaggle of final scores for you with a dollop, a shtickle of detail. Milky Cabrera is still in baseball, number one. Uh, he singled, doubled, and homered for Cleveland tonight. Indians folded the Red Sox 6-3 to in American League dust-up. Atlanta pitcher Kevin Gaussman breezed through eight innings, gave up just four hits. Braves punched out the Pirates 6-1. to Red Hot Rockies got cooled down tonight. San Diego threw a wet blanket on Colorado 4-3. Bronx Bombers won their fourth in a row. Yankees reeled to the Marlins 2-1 in 12. <sighs> You know what that smell is? It's the Cubs. They stunk tonight. They lost to the Tigers, <laughs> two to one. Brewers stunk tonight too. They lost to the hey. Reds, nine to seven. Hey, the following scores include six teams who stink. Uh, Blue Jays battled around the Orioles, eight to two. Rays round trip the Royals, four to one. Mets juiced the Giants, six to three. For games in progress, you can check out FoxSports.com. And now two guys who don't stink on the radio: Mike Harmon and Dan Byer on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, you're too kind, Looney. Sure, no Thanks, problem. buddy. Uh, coming to you from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, uh, 15% or more on car insurance. You can save 800-947-AUTO or go to geico.com. The only hard part, Dan, is figuring out which way is easier. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, Dan Byer in for Jason Smith. And we talked a lot this week uh, and a lot of real people just at their wits end as to how officiating has worked out through the first two weeks of the preseason. And, and you and I, we, we tackled this a little bit last night, and you're trying to figure out where that happy medium is of, all right, it's preseason, they're learning, they're getting it together versus people are incensed. A lot of flags, a lot of memes, and, and ability to get video out immediately if you disagree with a call. And certainly when we get it into super slow-mo, we can see that a bad call has been made. And in some cases... No, there's no even thinking that there could have been a penalty on a play. We've seen several tackles where it's textbook tackling form, and you wonder where the official was and his vantage point and whether the directive is throw the flag and we'll review it later. Well, Bill Belichick, as he's wont to do, chimed in on rules. He knows the rule book like no other. We've talked about the Cardinals and their ability to scout. Oh, wait, they break into databases. That's a whole other thing. Uh, we'll revisit that another time. But for Bill Belichick and company, we know, and, and we've even seen it. Hey, we've got this formation. No, 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 you, we're going to put it into the rule book that you can't use that anymore. He chimed in to say, hey, I think you guys are overblowing this. Really, it's not a change for us, not a change for our coaching staff. We've never taught that. We've never taught tackling uh, with the crown of our helmet, uh, putting our head down and you know, leading our body forward in that, that type of position. Um, I don't think fundamentally that's a good position to be in. It's not effective, and uh, we've always tackled and blocked with our head up and our eyes open, our head back, so we can see what we hit. That's the only way I've ever coached it. If we do it that way, then we'll be within the rules. So that's, that's what we try to teach. Bill Belichick flipping off the rest of the NFL, saying we're better than you and we've been doing this. Well, I think, you know, to, to his point, yeah, that's within the rules, and I don't think that the Patriots were, were called, in, and, I, and I could be wrong, but I don't think that they had any of these penalties that we, we had. That, that made such a big deal in week two. Right. The point that I think is confusing, and this has been discussed by so many, but as Bill Belichick says, 
we have taught players to tackle with their with their head up and eyes forward, if you will. And that's what I think is difficult in with the officiating in trying to tell if the helmet is facing down and leading with the crown or if you actually are leading with the face mask because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of movement and not a lot of wiggle room to tell if the if the if the helmet is you know if it's straight down and it's being used for the sure. crown of the helmet, but there may be times where it the the tackler feels that his his eyes are looking straight ahead and that his head is up that you are in a, as I'm trying to do it here in the radio studio. It looked good though. Yeah. It was you were doing the robot. There's just not a lot I don't there's not tons of room and so that's where I'm wondering as well are the officials just having a tough time deciphering what is a good tackle and what isn't a good tackle. I know some teams have tried over the last couple of years to implore more of the rugby tackle, right? Sure. I mean that's of of you know, tackling at the ankles and twisting and, and, and turning to, to bring the, the ball carrier down. That, that could be an option for other teams. But while I get what Bill Belichick is saying and, and of not leaning forward, that this is what's so difficult for the referee to decipher in that millisecond. Well, that's just it. It's the nuance in a bang-bang play, bigger, faster, stronger year after year, and old habits are hard to break, right, in, the, in what you see and what the mind plays tricks, right, the old – you know, what What did you see on the street corner at this accident? Talk to five people. You got five different stories. Yeah, Talk yep. to the officials. It's going to be much the same way of, well, here I was. Well, then you start doing, you know, going all CSI where, where they've got the lasers through the bullet holes and everything. All right, it must have come from here. So let's figure out back to here and then start dusting for prints and going all the way and, and going through. Same thing here as you're trying to dissect exactly the vantage point. Unless you start putting POV helmets and, and now we start recording from the the referee's point of views, and that becomes part of the training and learning experience in the league office where they're now saying, okay, well, this is what he saw when he called what looked to us to be a terrible penalty. I, I just I think back to when, when I played football as a youth, and I would expect that the, the, the youth of today and the youth that have played between when I played when the youth of today played, leverage and getting lower than – the opponent, whether you're a ball carrier or a defender, was always the goal. And then to that point, Mike, it's making sure that your head is square. But it was always leverage and being lower. And and so when Bill Belichick is talking about leaning ahead, and obviously Bill Belichick knows more about football than than most anyone, if not everyone. But to me, that is something when you're talking, you make the point of what you've been taught, what you've been dealing with. It's not of what you've been taught in the NFL. Right. It's what you've been taught in college. It's what you've been taught in high school. It's what you've been taught prior to that. All of that needs to change, and to do it in a span of four preseason games is a lot to ask. Big learning curve, and certainly you're trying to do all yeah. sorts of other techniques, and you've got a lot of bodies. You've got a lot of reps being played by guys that aren't going to be there. Yeah, and especially in a league where you don't tackle anymore in practice, right? I mean, like, you don't you don't get to hit. Yeah, right? it's a very rare event. It's, like yeah. when I did all my training camp tours, and we and I'd go to Latrobe. And and I'd see my buddies Craig Wolfley and Tunch Ilkin. Shout out to the former Steelers pros who do their radio broadcast. And, and we'd walk up and like, all right, what are we looking at today? And it's like, oh, you came on a special day. And they'd have these big grins on their faces, and like you could see the excitement. Like, what backs on backers? And they'd start jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah. And you go, yeah, yeah, because you knew there was going to be some excitement. There was going to be some pads popping, and their guys were going to be able to get some some hits in. And so for that part of the drill, anybody that was there writing television work, whatever, they gravitated. And the rest of the guys are working out. They could have been just sitting around playing 
you know, monopoly together <laughs> around their respective parts of the field because backs on backers is where it was. And that's become more prevalent time. And again, that's one of the wins in the CBA is the, the lesson, lessening of two-a-days and certainly putting on the pads and hitting. What we saw this past weekend is this, is I don't think people are opposed to taking out the violent hits in the National Football League. What was so crazy this weekend, and you touched off it on the top, is that normal tackles were being flagged. That was the issue. Nobody's, nobody, you know, when we talk about, oh, that's the wussification of the NFL, nobody wants the violent hits. They're not fun to watch. It's not enjoyable. You don't have those. The, it's a different day, and it's a different time. Now you're just wondering, okay, what actually is a tackle? Because otherwise we're not going to be able to tackle anybody. Yeah, we're not looking here to scream jacked up. Yeah. You know, like the old Correct. segments or yep. sell DVDs. We're not, we, we don't have the rights to do so, uh, but it certainly was a good moneymaker for the league back in the day. The idea is, and, and this has been echoed throughout, as football as we know it is changing, but it's always going to be a violent game. Now it's just a question of can you, through your rules and through your training, take out some of those that leave players most exposed to big-time injuries, right? Ryan Shazier is probably chief among all of those and, and making great progress, and it's always good to see those videos and all these, what, what's happened in just a year's time. But, but the fact is that's what the NFL is looking at, and so through that lens, it's, all right, let's see how we can do it. In the interim, you're going to have the growing pains of extra yep. flags on the field. That is, that's what we're dealing with as we speak. Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Coming up next, yes, it's America's favorite game. We'll all play together. The Fox Sports family gets together, and, well, we're going to do some feuding. That's next here from the Geico Studios. I'm very, very excited about it. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Brought to you by Progressive Insurance, creators of the Name Your Price tool. Choose from a range of coverage options and pick the price that works for you. Visit Progressive.com today. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon from the Geico Studios. Dan Beyer in for Jason Smith tonight as the torture of Dan Beyer musically continues. I see the he's starting to rev up. It's like he's... Ready to go uh, battering ram. I think he's I, going to become the juggernaut and go sprinting through walls here any minute it's, now. It's it's all it just never uh never ends with these guys. Find right. him on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Hey Dan, perhaps I could get have something that'll put you in a, a better frame yes. of mind. Whoa, 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 real quick, Dan. Yeah. What if I were to tell you this is actually Toto doing a hash pipe cover? <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I don't even know the song. So if you think I know Weezer songs, then you're wrong. The only ones that I know that I just. This is Toto. Is it? Okay. All right. There it is. See, I don't even know that this was an, a Weezer original because I didn't. I don't know the song, but I I was almost going to. Uh, you don't know Hashpipe? No, I don't. Don't. I don't. No. Tyshard celebrates their entire I, catalog. I, I, you know, I put it this way. I'm like a Olympic swimming pool. Okay. Shallow in one end. Very deep in another. So there's, I, I, I'm going to know a lot about the music or I'm going to know nothing about it. That's how you can consider me. And you know how you're able to get back at tie shirt? A nice big cannonball. Yes. Let's play the feud. The Fox family. After last night's victorious run, 
We have kicked out one Steve DeSager, and welcome back, our long-lost brother, one Tom Rudy. Yes, good to be back, Rudy. Yes, he joins Mike Harmon, Justin Frostberg, and Alex Tyshirt, guys. Up? Top eight answers on the board. Okay. Are you ready? Let's yes. get it. Tom wanted to know what the clue was, or at least what it was about. Category, I told him it was a yes. yeah, c- category. I gave him a clue. I can I said hear it was his about, keyboard from here, Dan. It was about Shut baseball. Up. All right. Are you ready? Let's I get it. Absolutely. I'm always ready. I'm ready to bring it. States with the most Little League World Series titles. Okay. Top eight answers on the board. <sighs> Let's start with Mike Harmon. Let's go to Texas. Texas. Oh, gosh. You'd have to think with all of the, the uh, people in Texas and that great big state. Is Texas on our top eight? Yes, it is. There we Texas go. with two Little League World That's Series it. titles. Yes, two Little League wow. World Series titles. Step up, Texas. Tom Looney, let's go over to you. <sighs> okay, how about. You already took Texas? Yes, Texas. Uh, clickety clack, okay. clack, 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 clack. <laughs> no, there's no <laughs> clickety clack. Come on, Tom. Keep it on the up space, and up. Space, space, space. We'll keep it on the up and up. How uh, about New York? Oh, New York. Tom's home state. Yes, oh, there it is. Yeah, the boy yeah. from Elmira. That's the, right. Does em, good. The Empire State strikes our list of the top eight states with the most Little League World Series titles. Let's go over to Justin Frostberg, our producer. Dan, give me Pennsylvania. Oh, oh hey, why not in the home state? Show me the Quaker There you state. go. There it is. Way to Four go, Frostberg. World's Little League World Series titles. Now over to the big A. Ooh, Dan. It's yeah. going to be a tough one. Yeah, um, three on the board. 47 okay. choices left to pick from. <laughs> Can I say Green Bay in this one? Is that going to work? <laughs> Give me a – how about Florida on this one? I don't one? get it. Uh, Florida. Florida. A lot of, lot of great baseball played in, the Flor- in Florida, just not by the Marlins or Rays. Show me Florida. No. Florida just not by the children this. either. Yes. <laughs> Oh, back around to Mike Harmon. All right, Texas, New York, Pennsylvania on the board here in the Geico Studios. Florida, a no-go. How about California? California. Come on, guys. Chula Vista, aren't they always in it? Yes, they are. Number one answer, seven Little League World Series titles for the great state of California. Back over to Thomas Looney. Little League, I believe, if I am correct, was played for the first time in the great state of Connecticut. Let's go with Connecticut. Uh, wow, you could only get that information from Wikipedia. Show me <laughs> Connecticut. Yes, there they are, a cut above the rest, except California. Tied for second with four Little League World Series titles over to Justin Frostberg. Ooh. Give me South Carolina. South. South- Come Ooh, on, raise up. Take it. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> Any reasoning why you would take the great state of South Carolina for a Little League World Series title? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. It's there. Show me South Carolina. Oh, Darn it. Oh, Two strikes. Wow. Big, Twist it like a helicopter. Big A. <laughs> big A. It's up to yeah, you to keep baby. the game alive. Top eight answers on the board. Again, states with the most Little League World Series titles. We've got California with seven. Pennsylvania with four, and Connecticut with four. New York has three. We've got that on the board. And Texas with two. There are three remaining. One Mm. strike to go to keep the game alive. Dan, do we still have a pass in this one? Is it available or no no pass? Yes, we do. We do. How about that? Wow. He uses the pass. There's 45 more states he could pick from. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but only one more wrong answer. Uh, what was what was on the tip of your tongue? I was going to say Massachusetts. Oh, you were going to say Massachusetts. It's a good thing that you, you didn't. Uh, yeah. yeah, you didn't. They didn't make the list, but Georgia did. So we're going to give you Georgia with Whoa. three oh with three Little League World Series titles. All right, Mike Carmen, over to you. Two left Little League World Series titles: California, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. Georgia, New York, and Texas. They nope. with the most Little League World Series titles. I'm thinking waste management. I'm thinking New Jersey. You can do it. Oh, the great state of New Jersey. Heck, New York's on the list. Pennsylvania's on the list. Is it sandwiched in between the two? Yes, it yes. is. Oh, All right. Yes. Doing his yes. homework somehow over there right next to Dan. I'm oh. staring at a picture of Kobe Bryant. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, Mike. You would never cheat. Most with career right. assists. She Northwestern. Thank All you, buddy. Right. Let's right. let's go to the big kahuna. Finally, right. Tom Looney, it's oh, all it's on your turn. shoulders. Oh, actually, we went to Tom first this time. Yeah. Tom went second. He went Sorry, second Justin. this time. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so it's all on Tom's shoulders. Oh, God. One I'm answer going. remaining. I went to Catholic school, Z, so, too, so like Mike, I'm not allowed to cheat. Uh, let me go with Hawaii. Oh, here it is. Doon, doon, Could doon, it be the state of Hawaii? Oh, he's left out of everything. I'm hoping for the win. This time. I think the team representing the West is from Hawaii. Show me Hawaii. Wow, yes. another victory. <laughs> oh, there you go. Way to make it happen. Way to go. The Little League everybody World in, Series. Shout out to Williamsport. Everybody in here thinks Tom cheated. Right? I, right. <laughs> Coming up next from the Geico Studios. He's the Studios. Daniel Monte of the feud. <laughs> he's dead by Mike Harmon. We get back into Kobe and Tiger next. <laughs> Greetings. Welcome in. Final hour of the show, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Coming to you from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Dan Byer in for Jason Smith today and tomorrow. As we get ready for week three of the NFL preseason, lots of baseball action still around, Major League Baseball flowing, including a couple of deals getting consummated earlier as the Nationals throw up the white flag. But in all the excitement, Dan, you and I crunching numbers, fantasy football preview comes down Sunday on Fox Sports Sunday, three hours of fantasy gold. Yeah, this is your time to dive in. We we want you to be a part of it. You can tweet us. I'm at Dan Byer on Fox. You can get Mike, you know, at Swollen Dome. But if there's any fantasy issues that you want, feel free to send us tweets. You can call in on Sunday, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, Sunday morning, our 2018 fantasy football special here on Fox Sports Radio. We'll have a lot of fun with it. We've got a lot of different things happening, some good friends stopping by. And uh, a lot of great information to get you set for the upcoming fantasy football season. Fired up about it. And one of the stories, you know, that we follow is, you know, you're trying to look at longevity and looking at players. Have they hit the tipping point? And at the running back position, we certainly uh, do a lot of hand-wringing before making that next selection. So in about 15 minutes from now, we'll break down one of the greats getting another opportunity. And then in about 25 minutes, we'll tell you of a young running back who's being dressed down, well, by his coach, even more so than the local fan base uh, of where he's been drafted. We'll get into those. But first, a couple of legends off the jump. The rumor mill, well, the big three doing their best to make sure they stay in consciousness. You've got the Fox Sports and Fox Sports 1 ties showing the games live this year and the championship coming up on Friday night as the the Excitement 3's company uh, is is in the final. I just like saying that because I get to think <laughs> about Larry Dallas and all those great moments watching the Ropers uh, and Mr. Furley. 
uh, through all those times. But certainly it, it gets interesting in that you're, you're trying to hype your championship game, but then one of your league co-founders said, oh, yeah, I got on good authority that Kobe Bryant's going to play come next year. It sets the Twitter world on fire, tons of impressions, a lot of column inches, so guys that may have been enjoying a day off, maybe a quiet day with the kids before they go back to school. Hey, hey, Kobe might play in the big three. Right about it right now. So a lot of activity, and certainly for those wanting to see him lace him up one more time, step away from the tuxedos and the red carpets of Hollywood and the dealings for TV shows and movies. I, th- I think that glimmer of hope was something they've had and ever since that 60-point night. It would be strange, to say the least, to see Kobe Bryant suit up again. And as people shot down the report that he would be interested in joining the Big Three, not going to happen. However, guys, I have got it on good authority that they already had a team name for Kobe Bryant if he were to join the Big Three. Chuckers? The three for 19 from the floor. That's what they would be. The three for 19 from the floor. That's the code. You better be careful. They're going to start playing Weezer only in Uh, your headset, and then Frostburg may come and grab you. (laughs) The three for 19 (laughs) from the floor. Isn't that funny? I mean, a lot of shots, a lot of empty. Maybe maybe I was even light on the shot attempts. uh, Yeah, no, he's not finishing with just 19. (laughs) If he's coming back, he's going down Uh, swinging. The three for 28. That's what you could have for the Kobe Bryant big three team. It would be great for Kobe fans to see it. It wouldn't be great for Kobe. It wouldn't be great for everyone else. It's it, Kobe went out the way that he should have gone out. If it should have gone out. If you're not going to win a title, then go out by scoring 60 points. And Kobe's on to winning other things. But it it's it gets people excited and may get Kobe fans excited because it takes them back to a time or could take them back to a time in their lives where they loved watching Kobe Bryant. And you remember the great times. And it's a lot like it's a lot like thinking how people watch Tiger Woods. Now, it wouldn't be in the same arena because Tiger's playing in the same arena, if you will, that he did 20 years ago. And competing playing, in majors yes. and playing well right now. Absolutely. Far better than I think anybody could have anticipated. Going up against a different group of players, a young batch that he helped develop because they ended up growing up in the Tiger Woods era, which makes the story even more compelling. But there are there are comparisons there. There are reasons there why you why you can see why some Kobe fans would be interested. And I think that you can draw parallels to to what we've got with Tiger Woods. Not at the Tiger Woods level, because again, not everything is equal as we just talked about. But if you can at least see it from that aspect, you can understand why maybe some people would want to see Kobe Bryant lace it up in the big three. Yeah, I always just wanted to see what was left if the body had a little more and the love basketball. Uh, homage, you know, and is is honoring of his lifelong pursuit of greatness uh, on the hardwood. One of the things he says, like, I gave you all my body. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. I, I got nothing left. And you could see with the Achilles, they even have an animated version of him, like, looking like he'd been shot when, when he had the Achilles injury. And the facial expression and animation is worse than it was on the really? court. Yeah, no, it was frightening. But the fact is that, you know, you've you've got a guy who just says, look, I'm done. He's clapped his hands. He's he's finished with that. And it was fun because the marketing agents and everybody over at Kobe Inc. had to immediately say, no, 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 there's nothing to this. Uh, Molly Carter said uh, she's the chief marketing officer of Kobe Inc. said, no, he's definitely not playing basketball next year. And you look at that competitiveness and that desire to continue dominating. And, you know, we got a tweet a little bit earlier about do you guys, you know, kiss Kobe's toes. 
I'll have to ask Ben Maller when I see him if that was from a burner account of his. But the uh, I'm not a foot guy, so no. No, Dan no. does not. Yeah. See, it is the yeah. slide over baby hour, yeah. and now we can find out things no. about Dan Byer. And there's one for the board. Put that up on the board, yeah. Frostburg. Uh, and, and, then, and then burn the board. But the, the fact is that you have a guy who's now on to other pursuits. You've got an Oscar. You've got TV shows in development. You're talking about big business, the body armor, right? The minimal investment with a $200 million return. Uses image, uses likeness, as you will, and just massive amounts of cash. He's printing cash and dominating in, in that respect, as well as some of the other technological things he's gotten himself involved with. So. If you're going to talk about a larger scale where there's multiple commas and he's in the boardroom and he's controlling thing, and I know there's some some wondering aloud if he isn't kind of a puppet master to a degree of the Lakers organization with Rob Palinka in control, if he's not an advisor, right? Like the unofficial team advisor. Because even you saw how happy and chummy he was. Yeah, Palinka's got his guy for 20 years, but a little more of the embracing of the Lakers as opposed to when he left. Like, no, 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 I'm not, that's not me anymore. Mm-hmm. But immediately when all this was coming down and the welcoming, whether you believed it or whether you thought he was doing it through gritted teeth of LeBron James to Los Angeles, you know, they compete now on a much larger scale with LeBron doing his TV shows, fighting Nick Saban for the barbershop idea and everything else that's going on that, you know, they'll keep competing, even though we never got to see him on the court in an NBA finals. That that's the competition that he's looking forward to now. When you look at Kobe Bryant's career and 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 you you see how he went out with all the championships, it was a great time. He's moved on. So should everybody else. But we can't let go, Dan. And that's part of the Tiger Woods mystique to transition into some things he had to say uh, as he readies for the Northern Trust uh, this week. "Quote: I think people are are more well. I guess appreciative." I don't want to make that sound wrong or anything, but they know that I'm at the tail end of my career and I don't know how many more years I have left, but I'm certainly not like I was at 22 at 42. It's a different ball game. Something we had said, you know, coming into the, the campaign as the golf schedule starts filling up and we saw tiger putting more things in his date book. It at least made you intrigued, right? That he thought physically, whether he owed it to the game, whether he wanted to get some more, uh, dollars in the pockets of his. <laughs> he needed his world colleagues. ranking points. Yeah, he needed. But, yeah, he, but all of yeah. that, right? That it all comes together. That he came to, back to the course with a different approach, and it seemed like a, a little bit of a different mental edge to him as to where he is in his career. An acceptance that he's not well, twenty eight anymore, and putting more, more dots on the schedule, getting the points, but also just that physically that the body might actually hold up, sure. and, and it certainly has played out to that. Tiger always played a selective schedule when he was on top of his game and, and would always try to peak for majors, and there were courses that he loved that he would play, Bay Hill and uh, Firestone where he won eight times where he would always qualify, which was a World Golf Championship site, won't be in the future, but the point being is Tiger was able to pick and choose his schedule back in the day. Now he was put in a spot where you needed to gain world ranking points, you needed to gain FedEx Cup points, for the purpose of getting into events and doing things that he wanted to do again. So he had to play a little bit more and play events that maybe he wasn't used to or just playing events just to get back in the swing of things, if you want to use that pun. But what is really interesting in the quote that you read about Tiger to me is Tiger has always had a robotic feel when he's talking with the media. 
and would maybe take questions more personally than they were originally intended, maybe taking things the wrong way. And it was it was not a strong suit, if you will, to play with the media the way that the Tiger was. Sure. When you just hear him say, I think that people are more, I guess, appreciative, there may have been a time where Tiger wouldn't put the qualifier, I don't want to make that sound wrong or anything. He, in his mind, may understand what he was saying, but wasn't cognizant that he was coming off of coming off a certain way. Sure. To just put that in the quote to be like, it's not saying that they should appreciate me. It's them appreciating the times that they had when they were younger or appreciating what was going on with their fandom. It's all of that involved. It's not Tiger being Tiger, and it's not that, that it was all about the ego. It's just Tiger wasn't cognizant of that. So to hear him say that, I thought was was very unique because it tells me that he gets it and that he he understands and that it, he understands what is going on. He understands what is happening with his career and with his body. And I think that there was a there were a lot of times in his career where he was just out of touch, even though he was on top of the world, maybe wasn't really getting the sense of what was all happening. And that was was great for me to hear Tiger say because it also then shows a different Tiger as well, a Tiger that so many people are falling in love with. They're falling in love with again because of how well he is playing and how he makes them feel, and Tiger gets that, and I think that that's very important as you see him now play at the age of 42. What's the old, uh, I want a photo opportunity, I want a shot at redemption. Here's Tiger Woods. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go all musically inclined uh, <laughs> as we get into the final hour. But for Tiger Woods a few weeks ago, saying, look, I'm glad my kids get to see this. And, and just a different perspective on things. And just from the grander scale, the tie that Kobe Bryant and, and Tiger Woods together one more time. Nobody wants to admit that that era is past, right? Whatever era of greatness, because it's also a passing of your own mm-hmm. own life, right? Some sure. stage of your yep. own life. And so when you see another junior make his way to the Major League Baseball ranks. That's why you throw pens at the TV going, are you kidding me? Like, I watched his dad's entire career. Right? We have those moments, and unfortunately they keep coming fast, faster and faster. But it's the same thing when you're looking at Tiger Woods, like, wait, grasping greatness one more time? Yeah, he's my age. Cool. Yeah, he's he's still competing at a high level. And that's why that little glimmer of hope, that the door was cracked open for five minutes in a press conference trying to hype a championship for the big three that Kobe Bryant could walk through those doors with sneakers laced up. Got everybody in a tizzy, if only for a minute. Have you ever gone to a restaurant or maybe a vacation place that you hadn't been in like 20 years, but you remembered it? So like you just, you couldn't wait to, to, to go there. And then you end up going there and you're like, oh, it wasn't as great as I Doesn't work, sure. Yeah. yeah. And there's a letdown. This was the opposite. This was the opposite of that. This was remember when Tiger was winning. Remember how awesome it was. And this time around, it was so much better. And you're like, oh, my God, we got to come back here more often. We got to do this again. Why have we done this for so long? That's what Tiger brought to you. And that's and, and that's what is so unique because there are a lot of times you're just kind of, I don't know, let down or it didn't fulfill you. This fulfilled you and so much more. And Tiger gets it and Tiger gets why that happened, and I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, we certainly got a lot of people fighting us on the show, Jason Smith and I, uh, Tiger Woods, and and trying to put it in perspective in terms of when he was dominating and the cast of characters he was up against then versus the field now, and we can all uh, agree to disagree and and take our respective positions on things. 
but to see him at 42 atop a leaderboard oh. is 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 oh. remarkable. To and see it, the new the new age fist pump, you know. Yeah, well, he doesn't yeah. do it with the same gusto because no. I think he's afraid the shoulder's going to go flying. <laughs> Jay, he's Dan Byer. I'm Mike Harmon. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Head on over to geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. Coming up next, one of the last bell cows. We celebrate his return to the National Football League and put him in perspective next on Fox. Fox Sports Radio. Slide over baby hour. Jason Smith show with Mike Harmon. Oh. Jason out tonight. Means Dan Byer in the chair alongside me. My Fox Sports Sunday colleague and tag team partner. Good to have him in the studio. We just watched a very strange sequence of events. The St. Louis Cardinals 5-2 lead over the Dodgers. Carlos Martinez, fresh off the disabled list in as a reliever, takes a line drive where he goes down just right in a heap next to the mound and entire Cardinals team surrounds him. Meanwhile, uh, falls asleep at second base uh, is Enrique Hernandez. He ends up being out and that ends the inning. But for Martinez, he's down and you're wondering, did he take it off the arm and shatter? Did he he break a rib? Did he get hit in the chin? Like just in the live action, like, all right, where's my replay to give us a better perspective? Finally, you see that he took a ball to the, to the chest looks like he, he made it off the mound, you know, and, and got back into the, the dugout, the, the clubhouse. But for a moment, a very scary uh, incident at Dodger Stadium and everybody standing around and forgetting that the ball was still in play. <laughs> Writhing in pain, it looked very serious. You mentioned that the television broadcast didn't provide a replay, and sometimes when they do that, it's maybe a worse injury than you could right? have feared because they don't want to show it. The good news in all of this is as he was laying on the ground, going back and forth, moving his legs in obvious pain, all of a sudden he just ended up he jumping up. up on his feet and started to walk off on his own power. Still very sore from wherever he took the line drive baseball, so he's okay in that aspect. Whether he was there's another injury, uh, if there was a serious injury, don't know, but we do know that he was able to at least jump up immediately and then start to walk off. It was a bit of a Hulkamania kind of moment, you know, where he'd be on the mat and then start shaking his arms and, and the crowd gets all fired up and then he jumps yeah, up and starts, you know, kicking some tail. Well, yeah. Here he exits the game uh, and the inning ends, but certainly something we'll be monitoring. Again, fresh off the DL, they did acquire Matt Adams today as part of the fire sale by the Washington Nationals. Switching over to the National Football League, yesterday we brought you the tale of Adrian Peterson's arrival to the Washington Redskins trying to get things flowing after a 500-yard season for the Arizona Cardinals coming over from the Saints. That was not a fit. Goes to the Cardinals behind a bad offensive line. Shows a burst in a couple of games, right? Has one or two big games. And so still mm-hmm. showing at a little bit left in the tank uh, as they were trying to figure out what to do after David Johnson's injury. Now, joins the Redskins after Darius Geis goes down with the ACL. His role to be determined. Looks like he's going to play here in the third preseason game, but after being a workout warrior, gets a shot. And immediately the 800 to 1,000-word diatribes and the the logistics and all the algorithms about what happens to running backs with a lot of mileage on their legs. Adrian Peterson, the number of doubters certainly flowing throughout the National Football League. And for me, it's it's a low-risk 
potential high-reward situation for Washington. I know that we are three years removed from what was really the, the last, the best of Adrian Peterson, but what does it hurt? Why, why not just try to play a little bit more if you still can? I know, Mike, it's easy to take shots, and as you said, it's a low-risk move. There's not a lot invested. You've got guys like a Rob Kelly and a Samaj P. Ryan's ankle heals in enough time that can take carries. And you mentioned Chris Thompson being there as well as a great third down back. So there's not a lot of risk to it. But why the hate for a position that we are seeing change before our eyes when we are seeing a running back go, go by the wayside, if you will, maybe going into the horizon? I enjoyed three yards of a cloud of dust, Dan. I'm, a, I'm an old Midwest guy and a North <laughs> Big Ten alum, as you are, and yeah. that was it. I mean, for a long time, people thought Ron Dane's last name was actually the ball carrier. <laughs> Ron Dane the ball Ron carrier. Ron Dane the ball yes. carrier. Ron Dane the ball yes. carrier. Because that's what you did. You ran the ball. Yeah, and when you look at the list of the great running backs in the National Football League, and I encourage you to do this, just go and take a look at the running backs who are the all-time leading rushers in the National Football League. You're going to see two names up there of current running backs, and then it's going to be everybody else who retired. And those running backs are Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. So as you watch Adrian Peterson, and I know maybe he doesn't make the Redskins' regular season roster. Maybe P. Ryan is healthy and they're like, you know what, we're okay. Maybe he ends up playing a couple of weeks. Maybe he lasts throughout the season. Whatever the case is, at least take time to honor the position, to a position that has changed and a position that – we aren't going to see played the way that it has been played for so many years. This is the last hurrah for that sort of running back. In today's day and age when guys are being drafted and considered old and done with by the time they turn 30, we're not going to see this 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 level of production or this type of running back. And I think that we need to at least respect it and see it with Adrian Peterson and one Frank Gore who's in Miami. You got Adrian Peterson needing 37 more yards to pass Jim Brown for 10th all-time. You you talk about Frank Gore. He's in the top mm-hmm. five. He needs, what, 76 yards to best Curtis Martin for fourth all-time. <laughs> and then you get down to LaShawn McCoy. He needs about 2,200 yards. He'll be able to leap a number of players just with yeah. that number. I mean, that's just where you are from 10,100 to 12,000 you got a, a bunch of names, so he can make a big push. We don't know what his role is going to be, right? Jumbled offensive line. Still wondering if the league comes down with a suspension. Certainly some changes. To step back to Peterson for a moment, though, he had some word for his doubters talking a big game. It shows me people don't really know about football because I feel like people that know the game of football, um, then they know different situations um, a player might be in. You know, I just brush it off. And I continue to work because at the end of the day, you know, I control, you know, I control my output, you know, so that's why I continue to work hard. I knew opportunity would present itself. And at the end of the day, I know that I'll be able to contribute in a big way in the run game. Well, we just look at it, right? Beyond Peterson at 12, you go down to LaShawn McCoy, as we mentioned, 10,092 yards. Marshawn Lynch, 10,003. Forte, done. Chris Johnson done and then you're all the way down to jamal charles doesn't have a team at the moment done jonathan stewart secondary piece that's all the way down to 7300 just like that you're looking at number 59 all time demarco murray welcome to the fox family part of the college football family here at fox uh look forward to talking to him as the season 
gets rolling down. And then you go all the way down. Down to your, your next active is LeGarrette Blunt at 5,888 yards. And it's it's crazy to think that that's what we've got right now at the running back position. And, Mike, it's not to say that there are bad running backs in the NFL because there are great running backs in the NFL. David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, what he plays. This is like those are those are great, great running backs. But we're seeing such a change at the position, how the position is dealt with with front offices, how it's dealt with on the roster. It's it's a it's a dying breed, if you will. It is it is the last of the last of this type of running back in the National Football League. And it's why I feel that the the Emmett Smith record of over eighteen thousand career rushing yards now will never be touched again no. because you aren't going to see a running back who is going to have that long a career with that much success. I brought this up earlier, and if you're just tuning in, just bear with me. Todd Gurley, who's three seasons into the National Football League, would need thirteen thousand yards to break Emmett Smith's record for the rest of his career. There's no way he's going to play 10 years, so he would have to average 1,300 yards per year. So if you're saying if he played, I don't know, the next six years, he would need 2,169 yards <laughs> on average per season to break Emmett Smith's mark. Le- or that's Le'Veon Bell, excuse me. Todd Gurley would need 1,882 yards average over the next eight seasons if he wanted to break Emmett Smith's mark. That's, that's what we're talking about with the NFL. And again, I'm going to go to it. I don't care. If you love this sort of brand of running back in the NFL, and I don't blame you, the guy who can run and catch the ball, then give a nod to Edger and James, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Everybody in Indianapolis knows that. Give a nod to Tiki Barber. Give a nod to Ricky Waters. Give a nod to Fred Taylor. Give a nod to Warwick Dunn. Those guys in the 90s who were the multifaceted back. And, Mike, when you look at the the yards from scrimmage for the all-time leaders, the guy with the most yards from scrimmage that is not in the Hall of Fame that is eligible is Tiki Barber. And then you have Edger and James. And then you've got Warwick Dunn a couple of spots less than that. Steven Jackson. I mean, like, these are guys that we are underappreciated during their time. They were the trendsetters for today's running back of the of the dual, the dual action running back. So there's there's a lot to go with the running back position, and it's just amazing on how it's evolved. There were greats in the past, and you've got to recognize the greats now. Looking at the bell cows, guys, between the tackles and those big numbers, big yardage, obviously offensive weapon, the term of the day as Le'Veon Bell tries to get himself paid in that long-term deal. We'll see how he's used and what's left of him uh, at the end of 2018 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's Dan Byer. I'm Mike Harmon, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Coming up next, we talk about a running back. Well, he's got one of the pieces in place as he's entering his rookie year but his coach called him out and we'll talk about that next but first we step out to our colleague tom looney who's ready to do some more push-ups right. and maybe some 12 ounce curls <laughs> with what's in the latest across major league baseball and the sporting universe what's up buddy one baseball game still going on in la la land manny machado hit a 450 foot moonshot just a short time ago but Manny and his Dodgers, total losers right now. Dodgers trailing the Cardinals 5-2 to two in the bottom of the ninth with one out. Uh, a lot of coaches, players, and fans have been complaining about all the tackling penalties during the preseason in the NFL. Mike Florio, ProFootball.com, reporting at this late hour. The NFL will not change any helmet rules before the season starts. And... 
Oh, NFL nut nut Richie Incognito has been arrested again, this time after causing trouble at a funeral home in Scottsdale, Arizona. His father died. He was there taking care of arrangements. And while there, Ricky got in an argument in the casket section of the funeral home, started knocking things over, saying crazy things. The 911 tapes Richie out. Richie Incognito just showed up there, mad at the employees there, and once he did say he was going to kill someone there. He told the director that he had guns in the truck. Earlier description, white male, 35 years old, six foot. 315, heavily tattooed with gym shorts, t-shirt, baseball cap, and it says uh, AFC Cops found a pile of guns in Incognito's truck, including three rifles, two handguns, and a silencer. That's what's trending. I'm Looney, and we now forge forth into the night with two men who refuse to be silenced. Why? Well, because it's talk radio. Mike Harmon and Dan Beyer on Fox Sports uh, Radio. Appreciate you, Looney. Sure. Good times all around. Major League Baseball still watching the end of this Dodger Cardinals game, and we've got the Chargers with a 14-6 lead on the Seahawks, a rebroadcast of Week 2. Uh, Frostburg watching intently and remembering every word of that broadcast. Uh, executive producer over there, too, doing double duty and getting ready for Charger talk, which may begin 15 minutes from now. As we come to you live from the Geico <laughs> Fox Sports Radio studios, it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part? Figuring out which way is easier. He's Dan Beyer. I'm Mike Harmon. Welcome on in. You find Dan over at Dan Beyer on Fox on Twitter. Find me over at Swollen Dome. And we talked about Adrian Peterson, the greatness of the running back position, and how it's morphed and mutated to where you've got like a major league bullpen. You've got specialists, but you've got guys you've got to be able to run between the tackles, catch the ball out of the backfield far more prevalently and far more uh, widespread across the league than it was, say, five to ten years ago. And certainly one of the guys that we're watching as Tampa Bay tries to figure out their next run here, Jameis Winston with the suspension, so Ryan Fitzpatrick going to start, Mike Evans a star, but how much can they get out of that early connection with Fitzpatrick, seeing if this offense can get rolling. And one of the guys that they brought into the backfield, the muscle hamster, I know he hates that, but I don't know him. He won't come after me. Uh, he's in Oakland with Marshawn Lynch, so you're looking for new running backs to take over uh, as you as you flow through. So one of the guys that they bring in, Ronald Jones, of the formerly of USC, speedster, big numbers across the board, except not very proficient in the passing game. Running backs coach Tim Spencer told Jenna Lane of ESPN. Quote, in college, there's probably a reason they only threw to him 17 times. Ouch. <laughs> Not often the coach just flat, he just lays it out, right? Oh, we're working on some things. You know, he's getting better with his route running. One of my favorite things, whenever we'd have the rookie premiere that I'd go to here, right? The rookies come out and take their pictures for the trading guard companies and whatever else is like, all right, how much time are you spending in front of a, a mirror dancing? And they just laugh. It's like, Far more than you really want to admit. <laughs> because they haven't had to do yeah. pass protection. They haven't done a lot of that. Some of them have been proficient pass route runners, but they haven't been fully in. And as a rookie, that's one of the things that's going to keep you on the sidelines if you can't at least pretend like you want it, to engage. It was one of the reasons, and people seem to forget this, it's one of the reasons why Ezekiel Elliott's draft stock was so high was because he could stay in on third downs and block. It's one thing, Mike, to be able to, okay, I am multidimensional, but you almost have to you have to not only run the ball and catch the ball, but blocking is probably second behind catching the ball if you want to be on third down. You at least have to block. If you can run and catch, 
you may not get it on the field, even though you can catch on third down if you can't block. It's one of the reasons why Ezekiel Elliott's stock was actually that high because he could block on third down and stay in. It's a it's a craft that players at that position need to know. And if you're a rookie and can't do it, you're not going to get on the field. Yeah, so interesting times. Not not able to run the route tree at this point, and certainly the they're a, a team in in a bit of disarray. You know, some issues on the offensive line, some injuries already. You've got the Winston situation. That puts them behind. You got Peyton Barber, you got Jacquez Rogers that you're trying to overcome, and and they like a lot of the physical things that they come out. And you saw some good tape <laughs> from Jones at USC, but right now it's it's a team led by Evans and the two dual tight ends, and the running yep. back position would seem to be there for the taking if you could get some of this knocked down. But for Ronald Jones, you're being called out by your coach, and 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 doing so in hopefully in a way that would be motivating for Ronald Jones. This is what you're going to get with your rookie, but to go out and just flatly say, and Tim Spencer's been around a long time at Ohio State, then in the NFL, was with the Bears for for a decent mm-hmm. amount of time. To come out and, and, and to say it so bluntly, what this does do is for them, hopefully it motivates Ronald Jones, but it also puts the target on his back from everybody that is in Tampa and watching the Buccaneers and saying like, okay, if this is why this is why the second round pick isn't panning out, it's because of this. I, I I mean, it's a it's a move to maybe get him off the front office of of Jason Light and 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 Dirk Cutter, the head coach, to be like, hey, it's up to him if he wants to do it. We took him as a second round pick, but if he's not going to do the work, it seems to be Tim Spencer maybe trying to take the heat off of some of his superiors if they can't get a second round pick on the field. Dince, distance themselves a little bit, right, from it, from sure. everything in the scouting sure. reports. Look, everybody liked him. Go back and read it all. There were a lot of positives. Ronald Jones, but if this is the thing that's going to keep him off the field, you're you're also absolving yourself. Look, I can only coach him up so far. Yeah. Right? If, if he's not going to get it, there's nothing I can do. And I think it's just an interesting tact to play with two weeks left in the preseason and a guy that could be a, a pivotal piece to your squad. I mean, not that he necessarily is a much different back than mm-hmm. what you have on tap, but there's a reason you took him in the second round. Yeah. What else is what else are they covering for, right? I, I can't well, believe this is the only thing that they're seeing, and that they would go and undress him in an interview like this. I I, I will say this: I thought that the the storyline that was not talked about in week two of the preseason that should have been was Jameis Winston's performance, throwing two, over two hundred yards. They're going to need a lot of that when he comes back off of his suspension if they don't get the running game going. I mean, you mentioned the, two, the with Brayton. And O.J. Howard, and we know about Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. But, yeah, if you have no running game, Jameis Winston may have to be throwing for 200 yards and a half if they're going to have any chance to win. Well, and that's what we saw a lot of last year. He finished with six 300-yard games very Mm -hmm. quietly, right? So coming into this year, a lot of expectations that he would make that leap, and that's why the Uber incident and the transgressions became, you know, not that it's not a severe and terrible issue altogether, but the expectations were that it seemed like he'd turned the corner as a person and as a professional that now they were going to finally get the returns and push forward, especially when you're looking at the next big contract, mm-hmm. right? Because he wants to get paid because that was the other thing that this kind of put some holes yeah. into. It was also him not telling them. Well, you know, like that, that was there. there yeah, there's was there's, there's a yeah. lot to it as you go through. Tried to uh, put his head in the sand uh, as it were. Mike Harmon. 
and Dan Byer coming to you from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Coming up next, we take a turn in the world of fantasy, give you a couple of fantasy headlines to watch as we get into the third week of the preseason. Yeah, draft season is upon us. That's next on Fox. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Take off your uniform. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, coming to you from the Geico Studios. Dan Byer in for Jason Smith. Dan will be in with me again tomorrow night. Coming up about 15 minutes from now, you'll hear the dulcet tones of Ben Maller uh, as he comes to you from these Geico Studios. Good times all around, ready for four hours of merriment. For you and I, Dan, we're getting ready for our fantasy preview show. So no no question about turning over every stone, trying to break down more statistics and get these depth charts right. And, well, for fantasy purposes, one of those that we're keeping an eye on is your team, the Seattle Seahawks, because you've got a crowded backfield, but some injuries that have beset the backfield thus far. Rashad Penny, the surgery on a broken finger. Now they're saying ah, he could see some action in the Seahawks preseason finale. You got McKissick goes down to a broken foot, so he's gone six weeks, four yeah. to six weeks at a minimum. So now you have the the Chris Carson Express at least for the early part of the campaign, but we'll see how quickly Penny can get back to form. Yeah, and Carson seemed to be the one to have the job during training camp and has had the job during training camp. What was concerning was this past Saturday when he fumbled at the goal line, an awful job blocking, but you still got to hold on to the football, and that is been an issue and that was an issue this past Saturday now with Rashad Penny you've got a first round pick that you've used on him that you would like to see him obviously hit the field and play I if if you're drafting in these spots Carson is the starter now and Carson has had the job throughout training camp Mike but there's enough red flags to make you say okay the first round pick with Penny the issue of fumbling at the goal line Penny is still a worthy guy to have McKissick was the third down back that that could see action, but C.J. Procise, if he stays healthy, that is a huge if because he hasn't done it in his career, really would end up taking that role. But still a bit of a of a jumbled mess in Seattle. And, Mike, you still don't know how good the offensive line is going to be despite changes with the offensive coordinator, with the offensive line coach, and now a new scheme. So there's still questions in Seattle. Fortunately, not – uh, position or at least a team by which you have to go make a, a big reach for one of the running backs. Mm-hmm. Now, Penny, perhaps because of the explosive big run plays and, and Carson to that to a lesser extent, but where you might reach a little bit if you're feeling frisky in your draft and trying to catch lightning in a bottle. But as of average ADP right now, both guys are, are being drafted as flex players, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So third yep. running backs. And then McKissick in deeper leagues just as a stash in case things break right his way. Uh, No pun intended with the broken foot, of course. Uh, Also a note, Doug Baldwin out with the knee, but expected at least right now that he's on track to be back week one. Another note coming out of Jaguars camp, slim down Leonard Fournette, 15 pounds lighter, 15 to 20 is what they're claiming on the scale. And when you look at a guy who is already a good player, uh, contributor to the passing game was was targeted some 40 plus times a year ago that perhaps that role expands for him so you get a little more of that full-on offensive weps- weapon uh tagged to him like we were talking about before 
I know there's not a lot that you can take from playoff performances, but what I do take from playoff performances, Mike, is that when the game matters, this is who you give the ball to the most. And Leonard Fournette had a great rookie season, and really in their divisional playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, just huge runs, three touchdowns, I believe, in that game. I love Leonard Fournette. And for a defense that I think is just going to be so dominating this year, the, the talking about team defenses, if you will, Jacksonville's no doubt number one off the board. When you look at how that team is constructed and when you keep Blake Bortles, nothing but huge hopes in my eyes for Leonard Fournette. We'll grab two stories and merge them together right. from college and pro football in just a moment. But a reminder, uh, Fox Sports Radio brought to you by Indeed. When you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates. And that's why you need Indeed.com. You can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions based on your job requirements, and then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed. Uh, for fantasy purposes, the Ravens, one of the defenses that will come off the board fairly early as well. Jimmy Smith, cornerback, suspended the first four games of the regular season for violating the league's personal conduct policy, stemming to uh, incidents uh, and a petition filed by the mother his first child accused him of domestic violence, quote, threatening and emotionally abusive behaviors were what led to the suspension. The Ravens claimed to have had a no-tolerance policy in the wake of the Ray Rice uh, incidents and the videos that went out and everything that fell out of that. Yet Smith, they're saying they're going to welcome him back based on all the people they've talked to. Also, it's the question of the NFL. It was supposed to be a six-game minimum for infractions of this ilk, yet I don't know that we've seen a six-game suspension. Yeah, this one was reduced by two games. That's more of a CBA thing. I mean – Right, I mean, right. If, if for at at least with the players' union and, and whatever they were arguing on his behalf, but yeah, it was supposed to be six, ended up getting reduced by two. The other is, are are you going to uh, be up in the middle of the night uh, as we start getting word out of Columbus, Ohio? Yeah, for for us here on the West Coast, it'll be an early morning when those uh, board of trustees meet and end up uh, making their recommendations, whatever it is, to the Ohio State president. We'll know, and about we think we'll know. Maybe it, by tomorrow morning on what the punishment will be. I, for from everything of the sense that we've been hearing, I know I've I've said for a, a season long. I think I'm going to be way off on that from just the the way that we've heard about the trade wins. We've also heard reports that Urban himself has been fighting back of any suspension, uh, b- by any means for what happened because he feels he's innocent. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be quite a day, or Wednesday's going to be quite a day in college football. We went from the question of what he knew, when he knew it and actions, and then some of the reports are they're focusing on did he just prop, proper protocol and push it up the ladder, what they did with it, and who becomes the fall guy, fall women. Uh, we'll find out starting tomorrow, and we'll be here with you. Coming up next, our buddy Ben Maller getting you through the night here on Fox Sports Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 